When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Kia ora, good morning. It is three past nine here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball with you. Well, Smithy is away at the T20 Cricket World Cup and uh, one of his former teammates is going to join us shortly and we're going to talk about the semi-final against Pakistan and whether or not there's... Any PTSD for the blokes that played them in 92, 99? You know, we've got a history against Pakistan in the Cricket World Cup semi-finals, and it generally isn't positive from a New Zealand point of view. So uh, one of Smithy's old teammates is going to join us soon in the shape of Ken Rutherford. Also around 9.30, Nick Sauntner from the Eden Park. He is the CEO there. We're told that uh, Eden Park's effectively sold out. They're looking at options for more seating, apparently. Uh, we'll talk to him about that and uh, how that's all looking. After 10 o'clock, Dave Worsley. Uh, if you want to know anything about racket sports, Dave's your man. Well, he is going to join us to talk the New Zealand Squash Open. Gets underway today. We've got uh, PSA top 20 players in Tauranga, including... Kiwis, Paul Cole and Joel King. We've got a panel that is a Cup Day special today. Brendan Popperwell and Mark Clayton are going to join us to talk the uh, big New Zealand Cup Day at Addington. Uh, we'll ask them all sorts of questions, including if you're going to follow one driver today, who is it and why? We'll get a bunch of their picks as well. Uh, Louis Herman Watt's going to join us at some point for a Love Racing update as well. After 11, Shiraz Soysa is going to join us. He is the head coach of New Zealand's national flag football team. Uh, we are through week nine of the NFL and a whole bunch of interesting results yesterday. We'll go through those with him. And we also have a $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs with Stumped at nine, uh, sorry, at 11.30. $100 that you could punt on Cup Day could be yours as well. And then there's a Good Oil special this afternoon from midday. We'll catch up with the Good Oil team uh, before they take over. Time now, though, to talk cricket and Cricket World Cups. And uh, one of New Zealand's greats is on the phone with us. Ken Rutherford, how are you, sir? Well, that's a very liberal uh, use of the term great, uh, Ricardo, but uh, good morning to you too, sir. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, mate, uh, well, I mean, I, I think you, you played a hell of a lot more cricket with New Zealand than I ever did, so, we're, so we'll leave it there. But uh, you were also involved, of course, in the 92 uh, World Cup on our own soil, which uh, looked so good for so long. And I, and I, I was just looking back on the, in the history mm. books and thinking, you know, 92, 99, we do have a history against Pakistan in semifinals, and it hasn't tended to go our way, has it? No, it hasn't. And uh, when you look at the the way both teams got through this uh, semi-final, it's uh, some similarities there too. Pakistan, I remember in 1992, Ricardo, with the benefit of a 
a rained out game, which I think in the one point from a rained out game, I think it was against someone like South Africa. I'm not 100% sure. They they would never have made it through the semi-finals anyway. And of course, we had a, a successful run through the, the 92 sort of round robin stage and got through as, as probably the favourites in that match. But um, of course, we all know what happened there. And uh, it's similar here where Pakistan have come really from nowhere. Who would have thought that South Africa would have lost to the Netherlands uh, prior to that game, Pakistan-Bangladesh on Sunday afternoon? So they have surprisingly got through again, and boy, they are going to be one hell of a contender tomorrow night at the SCG. Yeah, they are. I mean, and the SCG is a, is a pitch that traditionally takes spin. Do you think that makes mm. them favourites for this game? Yeah, ironically, for a while now, Pakistan's attack is still very much lent around the swing and the seam bowlers. I mean, Shahid Afridi's an outstanding left arm, isn't he? And they have other guys like Paris Roth who can bowl very fast as well. So, look, 20 over games, I don't know. The spinners, apart from when they played in the UAE or some other parts in the subcontinent, mate, I don't know how much real impact the spinners do have. Um, and I don't expect them to have much of an impact tomorrow. I think it'll be all about batting and, and whichever team bats better will win the game. And, uh, gee, that's a a very erudite uh, summation, isn't it, Ken? Because it's pretty bloody obvious, isn't it? But um, that that really is uh, what it comes down to. And I think New Zealand's batting lineup is, is a good one. Pakistan's has improved, hasn't it, over the course of this competition? When you saw Pakistan play New Zealand prior to this uh, T20 World Cup, you worried about their middle order. They seem to rely very much on Rizwan and Barbara Azam at the top. But uh, these days, or in the last couple of weeks, they've found a couple of fellas in the middle order who can really smack it a long way. Yeah, their, bat, their batting lineup is looking extremely good, actually. I mean, ours isn't looking too bad, though, it's got to be said. Uh, I mean, it was mm. a very un... You know, and this isn't a criticism, but, I mean, like, Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, it, it's all very steady. You know, steady the ship with Captain Kane, Gary Stead, of course. Uh, they don't tend to make big calls often, so the the fact that leading into this World Cup, they went, you know what, Martin Guptill, you're probably not our best mm. option now. Um, did that surprise you when you saw that happen in that tri-series against Bangladesh and Pakistan? Yeah, it did, because you're right, Guptill's been a, a very reliable player for us over a decade and longer in both 50-over and T20 matches. So it was surprising to make it that kind of stage of a um, lead-up to a tournament, quite close to a big tournament, was was again surprising. And yeah, they are quite conservative, aren't they, in their approach, Stead and, and Williamson. And I wonder if tonight they will break those shackles a bit and uh, maybe play a bit more... I don't know responsibly, responsibly to the to the situation in front of them. I, I was surprised as an example of, of, of a batting order uh, when Allen and Conway uh, got going so well against Australia in the very first game some 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 days ago. Now, why Williamson came in at three himself? I would have thought to keep the momentum going, you might have put in a, a Glenn Phillips at that stage. And I think that sort of responsiveness has to occur if we're going to beat Pakistan. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I, interested to get your take on Williamson. Uh, you know, uh, before the mm. game against Ireland, I had been suggesting that maybe the T20 game had evolved past Williamson's strengths uh, because if you looked mm. at the IPL stats last season, he had 13 games, an average of 19, a strike rate of 93 or 94. Uh, this season for the Black Caps and the Internationals, it was, was something similar. Um, obviously, he stood up against the Irish, but it was the Irish. I mean, what have you made of Kane and... Do you think that's enough to turn the corner for him? Well, it'll be akin to committing treason, and, and I'd have my uh, passport uh, revoked, uh, um, uh, Ricardo, if I was to criticise Kane. So let's, let's, let's tread carefully here. But because we all know his input to New Zealand cricket over a 15-year period and longer has been incredible. I don't think you'd find another New Zealand player with the, the same amount of input, apart from, say, Richard Hadley or a Martin Crowe over the years. So 
but I, I do have some uh, some sympathy for your views. Um, he, he did get runs against Iron, but he struggled for those first, first 30 or 40 balls. He only really came right with his timing for the last sort of 20 balls of, the, of that innings, and he, and he got going in the stats read pretty well. More often than not, he, he uses up too many balls in his first 10 or 15 to get his own innings going, and that can be in a game which will be very close tomorrow night. That can be a debilitating feature. Yeah, it can be. Uh, what have you made of, of Glenn Phillips? Um, I mean, he's a guy that, much like you in your career, has batted all over the show. He's open, he's coming at first drop, he's coming at five, he's even batted as low as seven. What do you, what do you make of him in, in this format? Yeah, he's an outstanding player. And he's a guy I actually think can play test cricket as well. His first first class records uh, pretty pretty darn good. Um, Fifty over games, T Twenty games at the stage seem to be the way the selectors are going with with Phillips. Uh, he's made a very wise move for Ricardo to go down and play as domestic cricket for Otago this year. So good on him. Um, and that's another reason to give him the big thumbs up, mate. But uh, no, he's 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 a guy. And, and look, these tournaments always provide the the opportunity for players like Phillips to really. You know, into the world stage. I was, I was doing my own little podcast at work the other day with Nasser Hussain, the English commentator, and he, he brought up the name of Glenn Phillips as a guy that will be remembered after this after this tournament is finished, and uh, that's the impact he's now made globally. Which is huge, you know. If, you, if you've got guys like Nasser Hussain remembering his name and talking about him, that that is pretty big, is it? A little bit. It reminds me a little bit, and and I don't want to uh, undermine his character by making this comparison, but he reminds me a little bit of when Dave Warner broke into the onto the international scene first with T Twenty, and then all of a sudden he's in the Aussie Test team. Um, he's, he's a sort of player. When you look at his technique, you think to yourself, he, he's not really slogging. You know, he's not really smacking to all corners in a really unconventional fashion, is he? He's playing technically very sound uh, cricket shots. I, I actually love his backlift. His backlift's in a great position before the ball's actually bowled. If you take a still shot of his backlift, gee, that's technically very, very sound. So, And that says to me that, um, you know, you've got to make some mental changes, don't you? If you're playing a, a T20 to a 50-over game uh, and, and then onto a test match, uh, some changes can, lots of changes, but but they are mental ones, and, and physically and technically, if you've got the you've got your game in a good position, uh, you can really prosper. And I think he's that sort of guy. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think so. Uh, he, he looks great. He's a fantastic proposition, and the fact he can do so many things, Ken. I mean, when he first came on the scene, he was a wicketkeeper batsman. Mm. Now he's dropped bowling the gloves you. and he's bowling off spin. Mm. I mean, is there anything he can't do? Well, hopefully, he learns to drink spades, Ricardo. <laughs> he's going to need to do that down in Otago. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's a young Hamish Rutherford uh, there who might uh, show him the way. Well, not so young anymore, Hamish. But um, no, the culture of the Otago cricket, I understand, is really improving these days, and it's getting to a stage where we can look forward to their ex-Otago players with some some real confidence. But uh, what are your thoughts tomorrow night? Now, from, from a punter's perspective, uh, Ricardo, I did note the odds as you do. I think uh, New Zealand around a dollar eighty, dollar eighty-one. Pakistan are two dollars and two cents, two dollars and three cents, something like that. I mean, that's an indication of the closest of the game. I, know, I did notice India v England uh, on Thursday night are the same kind of prices. So, if you're going to take a multi in the two games, where are you going? Uh, well, the the cynic in me thinks that uh, this is all set up for a Pakistan India final. To be honest. Um, I've just got that feeling about it. The history doesn't go in our favour um, against Pakistan at, at this time of tournaments. And, and I just think India against England at, at Adelaide, what we saw the other day with those three games at Adelaide, it was lower, it was slower, it was harder to get the ball away, and mm. I think that'll probably suit the Indians. I don't know, where, where are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm similar. I, I, I really 
do fear for New Zealand. I much rather would have played South Africa in the semi-final. Uh, that's that's for sure. I think South Africa are very reliant on two or three players to get the job done. Uh, whereas Pakistan, I believe, uh, have un- unearthed a few players, particularly through the middle order, who can score 50 off 25 balls, as we, as we saw with Shadab Khan uh, during one of those matches last week. Uh, so I do worry about Pakistan as that kind of unconventional, unpredictable opponent, which we don't like to play, because our style of play is very much reliant on on kind of knowing what the opposition's going to do. With Pakistan, you never really can tell what they're going to do. So the South Africans would have been far more reliable in, 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 in trying to work out how to defeat them than Pakistan. So I do, I am concerned about Pakistan. I still think we'll win. Uh, so I'd take the dollar eighty-one into the $2 about England, because I think England will beat India, and I think they'll win the tournament. There you go. OK, that's a nice tip. Again, nice tip. Now, uh, in 1992, we won all our round-robin games until the last one, which was against Pakistan, mm. and then the and Australians Christ. and then the Australians claimed that we had thrown that game so that they didn't make the semi-finals. Who are they blaming for not making the semi-finals this time? Oh, over here. No, mm. there'll, be, there'll be a review. The review will go into the next uh, T20 World Cup in 2026 or whenever it is, Ricardo. I mean, they love reviews over here, but like uh, Dern's government, isn't it? So let's let's wait and see what it coughs up. I mean, I would say what it will cough up is is in, in just one little selection. I a, a little tidbit I might give you from an Australian, a New Zealand perspective, looking at Australian cricket. If you're going to pick Steve, Steve Smith in a squad of 14 or 15, sure you're going to play him, mm. aren't you? I mean, if you're going to pick the fella who's got so much experience and is a great player of the game, you're going to play him somewhere in, the, in, in your 11, aren't you? Why would you pick him and have him mixing the cordial? Uh, if you're not going to play him, then you might as well bring a young guy to get some experience uh, in terms of the whole squad situation with a view to the next T20 World Cup. And all I'll say is from an Australian perspective, I, I think that the, the big bash of the competition this year is a great opportunity for those young players to come out of the woodwork over here. Uh, I, I firmly believe T20 is, is, is becoming more and more a young person's game. If, you, if you're over 30, I think you might struggle a bit. I think it's a young, athletic, vibrant, exciting game, which is more more akin to the, the players in their lower, lower to mid, mid-20s, quite frankly. And that's why I think Steve Smith plays last T20 World Cup. And that's why I think for a few of the Kiwi players, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night could be their swan song for the same reason. I think it is a game which is continually evolving. We're seeing that in the, in the quality of the, the skills and the uh, attributes on, on show with some of these players. They truly are athletes these days. And um, that's why I can see it being a you know, selection is very important going forward and being a young person's game. It's interesting you say that because yeah, I looked at that Australian team and then I, I went, why are you taking Aaron Finch, who you've just cut as your one-day captain and actually made him retire from the international game in, at that, uh, in that format? Why are you taking him into this tournament? I mean, you'd go one or the other. You wouldn't take both. That was my thought at the time. Yeah, he struggled for runs. There's no doubt about that. And uh, look, he, he got a few runs towards the end there again when, he, when I think he pulled his hamstring in one of those matches, didn't he? Um, but in general, his form, if, if he wasn't the captain of the side and didn't have such a, a terrific record, and, and look, his record, you've got to say, overall in T20 games is, is extraordinary. His strike rate's up around the 140, 150 mark historically, and, and he's, he's been a very consistent performer up until the last 12 months. But I guess if you are picking a team or an 11 just to, to, to win games now, in the moment, then you might look elsewhere. They, they did run into trouble before the tournament, didn't they, when Josh Inglis... Uh, what do you do? He had a golfing injury or something, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Do something on the golf course. Um, so he was out. And he would have been a guy at the top of the order there. He's been one of the fellows in the Big Bash, hasn't he, over the last few years, who's really excelled. He's an exciting young fellow who, who can clearly play. So that option had gone. Cameron Green made it, was the replacement. And Cameron Green, of course, had no real experience at the top of the order. So 
it kind of gave uh, Fincher a, a go-to-go ticket for free uh, in terms of playing for the rest, you know, pretty much the whole competition, and, and that's what happened. Uh, look, let's not dwell too much on the Aussies. It's great to see them uh, having these reviews and stuff, and a few of the ex-players coming out of the woodwork yesterday and being a bit critical, but um, there's clearly some issues there in terms of the way their team had been selected, and then and the insinuation over here with a lot of the ex-Australian players is that it's too comfortable an environment. Uh, there's not enough challenging going on since Justin Langer uh, resigned from, from the coaching role. Um, Andrew McDonald's come in. He's quite matey, I understand, with a few of the players. There's no real environment there of being challenged. And um, I'm sure that's something that a review might challenge. Yeah, so Daniel Vittori for next Australian coach, is that what you're saying? I think he gets on pretty well with the hierarchy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have the job, would he? Yeah. Um, wouldn't that be a great job, being the spin bowling coach of any cricket team? You're looking after about one player sometimes. I mean, it's just, how good is that? Yeah, so good, mate. It's so good. He's stealing a living. Stealing a living, Ken. Yeah, hey, it um, it, it's Cup mm. Day over here in Christchurch. Uh, are you, uh, are, you, are you got an eye on that at all? Well, absolutely, no. I think it's 13 races and something mm. like that. I had, a, I had a good look through the, the fields uh, yesterday. Um, and look at the, the, the Cup field. It looks... I think it's four to one the field, isn't it? Favourites copy that at around three eighty or four dollars, three to one. Then so, and look, he's going to be a big chance. It's the, the first moments of the race are, are so so important, aren't they? Whether a horse will step away from the stand start, because stand starts in harness racing these days for the paces are, are so uncommon. Um, it's that's a, a beauty of the race, the thirty two hundred metres, isn't it? That uh, we still have stand starts. So, my heart will be in my mouth with the horse drawn two majestic cruiser. I've had it on good authority from a very good judge down to Needham, the ex Dunedin City Fletcher Cup goalkeeper, Grant Ford. That majestic cruiser is, is the one to go for, uh, Ricardo, at around 15 to 1. An Australian horse, I see. Uh, I saw a couple of his replays yesterday, and it will stay the trip, you'd think, won the New Zealand Messenger recently at uh, Alexandra Park. So maybe for punters with, ten, with 20 bucks in their pocket, 10 each way, a majestic cruiser, but it's a very open race. And just one of the great days on the New Zealand racing calendar, not just the harness racing calendar. It's a great day. And, of course, with COVID recently, there'll be a huge crowd down there at um, at Eddington. And uh, wish I was there, mate. It is one of the great days. Yeah, and it's great to see that, you know, an Aussie uh, Aussie owner Mm. has has named a horse after two of your best characteristics. What's that? Majestic Cruiser. That's I mean, that's you to a T as a batsman, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Ken? Oh, I don't know about that. I didn't cruise very often, did I? I wasn't out there long enough to cruise. But it certainly wasn't majestic. Hey, mate, thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Go well and uh, have a great day on the punt, eh? Yeah, good on you, Ricardo. All the best. Cheers, mate. Go well. Uh, there we go. Ken Rutherford with us, uh, former uh, Black Cap, of course, uh, former Black Cap captain for some time and good mate of uh, Ian Smith's as well on the show talking uh, the Cricket World Cup. It is 9.21 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. It is 9.26 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in the seat for you. Uh, great to have Ken Rutherford on and uh, some interesting things that he had to say as well about uh, New Zealand, the uh, play in Pakistan uh, and how he thinks that that final is going to go. He, he reckons England to beat India, Pakistan to beat New Zealand and then England to win the final. That's uh, that's his tip if you're looking for one on the cricket. I'll tell you, if you're looking for one on the uh, Cup today and uh, the meet at Addington in general, then make sure you tune in for 10.20 for the panel because we've got Mark Clayden and Brennan Popperwell from the TAB on uh, for a Cup Day special panel. We'll be going through asking them all sorts of questions. And if you have any questions, make sure you get them through to us 
on the Temper Bedpost text machine. That is double eight double three double eight double three. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. We've had one through from Pony. He's asking about Merlin's chances in race nine today. Bad draw, but he's been good to me all year. Uh, all year. Can you get someone's thoughts for me? We will do that after 10.20, Pony. And if you've got any other questions that you want to put to the panel, feel free, uh, feel free I should say, to fire them through on double eight double three, and we will put them uh, to the boys. This, this is what, what we've got lined up for the panel. This is what I'm going to ask the guys. So if you've got anything to add to this that you think we should ask them on the panel, anything you want to know, Feel free to add it on the text machine. I'm going to ask them outside of the New Zealand Cup, what race are you most looking forward to? If you're going to follow one driver today, who is it and why? What's your trifecta, Quinella and winner? Which roughly do you most like? And where else outside of cup, uh, the cup race will you be putting your money today? So that's what I'm going to ask them. If you've got any other thoughts, feel free to fire them through to us on double eight double three. Uh, Graham also asked on the text machine uh, what Hamish is up to these days. Hamish Rutherford, well, he is uh, captain of Otago. And uh, he came back, he'd played a couple of seasons in Glamorgan and been very successful over there and came home last season and has been playing uh, back in Otago. He was captain last season and opening bat. Uh, I imagine we'll be uh, seeing more of that from him this season. I know the Punket Shield has got underway as well and uh, we'll uh, get some stats for you on how uh, Hamish Rutherford uh, has been going. On that front, still to come this hour, we're going to catch up with Nick Sortner. He is the CEO for Eden Park. Of course, it is where the Rugby World Cup final is going to be this weekend. It's pretty much sold out, um, apparently. So I know there was some talk of them putting in some extra seating. We'll find out more about that when we get Nick on. Uh, and once again, it's a case of if you want to know something about the, the Women's Rugby World Cup final, you're going this weekend, you want to find out something from the horse's mouth, get it through to us, double eight double three, and I will ask Nick for you shortly. Uh, just updating you, there is some uh, live football on at the moment, and there's an upset on the cards in Spain uh, in La Liga. Rayo Vallecano are playing Real Madrid. Madrid um, and Rayo lead Real, uh, so Viacano lead Madrid by a goal to nil half an hour in, into that one. And of course, we had the Europa League and Champions League draws overnight as well. And boy, these have thrown up uh, some great clashes. Here's the Champions League round of 16 for you. These matches take place, uh, I think, around February from about, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, that 14th, 15th. Uh, RB Leipzig are playing Manchester City. Club Brugge uh, from Belgium play Benfica. Liverpool have drawn Real Madrid. AC Milan have drawn Tottenham Hotspur. Eintracht Frankfurt, who won the Europa League last season, have got Napoli. Borussia Dortmund have got Chelsea. Inter Milan have got Porto. And how's this? PSG play Bayern Munich. So one of those two will be gone at the round of 16. Uh, the Europa League... This season, basically, when you get to this stage of the season, the teams that finish top in the group go straight to the next round of knockouts. Teams who finish second in their group have to go and play one of the teams that finished third in the Champions League groups that dropped down into the Europa League. And that has thrown up some pretty tasty matchups as well. Headlined by Barcelona, Manchester United. Uh, then Juventus Nantes from France. Sporting Lisbon play Magitlan, which is uh, Winston Reid's old team out of Denmark. Shakhtar Donetsk play Stade, Stade Rond, uh from France. Ajax play Union Berlin out of uh, Germany. They're the surprise package out of Germany. This season they've been leading the Bundesliga for a long time. Leverkusen play Monaco. 
Sevilla play PSV and Salzburg play Roma. So those uh, that draw was done overnight and it's thrown up some massive matches for you to get your teeth into next year after the World Cup. Of course, those getting underway in February. It is 29 away from 10. Time for the latest in news and sport with Aroha. 27 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy away at the T20 World Cup. Ricardo Paul in for him. And joining us uh, from Eden Park, the CEO, Nick Sortner. G'day, Nick. How are you doing? Very well, and thanks for your time. Well, mate, thank you for yours. Uh, how are preparations uh, going ahead of this weekend? Well, I went for a stroll out with a surf manager this morning, and uh, the Garden of Eden looks like a carpet. It is in uh, immaculate condition. Hard to believe that we had the two fixtures on the weekend and uh, it will be perfect uh, for the 40,000 crowd this Saturday evening. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been told that it's effectively sold out. I, I did see there was some talk that maybe you look, might look to put some temporary seating in to get some more punters through the door. Where, where is that sitting at the moment? We did look at uh, whether it be a standing room or some temporary seating now, but um, our focus now remains on ensuring that uh, any seats that can be released back to the public are released back to the public. So we're working with the local organising committee and I just encourage people to visit Ticketek throughout uh, the next sort of 72 hours um, as there may well be some tickets released. In terms of the uh, the numbers that you had, I mean, there was a lot of talk, of course, the the, the opening game uh, or the opening uh, game day, I should say, because it was three games on the one day at Eden Park, uh, that it was a sellout. But there was a bit of, you know, uh, I guess people talking about it in the media afterwards and saying, well, look, you know, there's 6,000 seats there that are, there's no one sat in. Um, those were obviously sold. People just didn't show for them. Is that what you're talking about in terms of uh, seats being sent, uh, given back or made more available to the public again? So there were some no-shows for that first fixture, but also some people chose to not stay for all three fixtures. So um, this weekend we're encouraging people to come from 3.30. It really is a festival atmosphere. Um, the feedback that we've had from customers attending, there's been 97% um, satisfaction or very satisfied. And um, we want people to enjoy the experience outside the field, but also uh, the two premium fixtures that we have starting at 4.30 and then 7.30. Yeah, I mean, it is important to get there early, isn't it? Uh, particularly when it is going to be a sellout, you're going to have 40,000 people there. So if you want to get in early, maybe grab your hot dog and grab your drink. Uh, you, you need to be able to get there in plenty of time so you can get to your seat before kickoff. That's right. We want to ensure that people have a premium experience. And... Um, the bronze medal game, uh, what wonderful rugby we saw last weekend and uh, we want to have the park full for both fixtures and uh, as I mentioned, the atmosphere, family atmosphere, 35% uh, of those attending uh, have brought children along, um, 65% have had uh, females in attendance so it really is a different demographic to what we've historically seen for our men's rugby content and Arguably, the Fortress Eden Park, uh, the Black Ferns have got a nine-straight winning record, so um, we want to keep that record going. Yeah, and, and that's a thing too. I mean, I know a couple of the players have talked about this, but uh, even with you know a half-full house last week, they noticed the difference that the crowd made for them against the French. Uh, the Poms are looking to make it 30 games in a row and win the World Cup, and the crowd can make all the difference. I think that's right, and um, this is a historic occasion. It will be a world record uh, for women's rugby, and there's a genuine sense of pride from everyone who's been associated with the event. We've got to recall that this event uh, was originally 
scheduled for 2021. There's been disruptions. There's been um, inter- interruptions through COVID lockdowns, etc. So to to get the result that we did on the weekend, I, I must admit I struggled. I I walked inside. I couldn't watch that penalty kick as I thought we can't see the Black Ferns go out like this, and then to hear the roar of the crowd. 25,000. Well, imagine what it's going to be like with in excess of 40,000 this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely massive. And you talk about, I mean, these have been entertainment spectacles as well, not just the rugby, but what you've provided in the, and the Rugby World Cup Organising Committee have provided outside of the game. So what can people expect on the day? Well, we've got the uh, Pacifica um, entertainment around the venue, but we've also got a variety of food and beverage offers. And then we've got to remember, Benny, local Mount Eden resident, uh, will also be performing. So it really is um, a celebration of uh, coming back together uh, after two years of uh, COVID restrictions and lockdowns and and, um, and even crowd restrictions. To, to have 40,000 people back together is something that um, we're excited about. We're here to serve the people of Auckland. We want people to ensure that they have a premium experience. Please be understanding there is over 3,000 casual staff across our workforce. Some of those that um, haven't been at the park for uh, whether it be one or two years. So um, we're just encouraging people to, I suppose, align with the whole competition and the tournament flavour where it's just been so supportive and um, and I think people, whether it be in five years or 15 years' time, will remember this Rugby World Cup 2021 is the genuine paradigm shift in women's sport. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it is a big day. It's a big crowd. Uh, some of the things that get talked about that people uh, maybe complain about the takeaway from a match day experience is having to wait half an hour to get a hot dog and a Coke or whatever it happens to be. I mean, are you, are you confident that you've got enough vendors and enough people to man those things that you're going to be able to manage that and get people through in a, in a, to- a timely manner? Well, the great thing is with, um, obviously, the two games, we can, um, the peak periods of an All Blacks game, you can't feed 50,000 people in 10 minutes. That's just the reality. But um, with the two games, we've got to be able to disperse um, uh, the crowd and also the food and beverage offer from 3.30 to arguably 9 o'clock at night. And uh, I know the catering team has been working diligently to ensure that all the outlets will be fully staffed. Um, there'll be a full range of food and beverage offers, and we're confident that people will, and as I mentioned, 97% satisfaction rate from um, the triple header. So people came, uh, they were willing to embrace the festival, the carnival that was um, those three games. And again, on the weekend, uh, the feedback that we had uh, from the families was um, what a great event and we look forward to coming back next week. What do you think the knock-on effects of this tournament will be uh, in terms of, say, for the Blues or for the All Blacks or for the Black Ferns for that matter going forward or anybody else that you host at Eden Park as a as a sporting team. Do you expect those crowds to look a bit different from next season? Yeah, well, I think this is a good example where um, historically uh, the women's game has been either a, a double-header or a curtain-raiser previously uh, to a men's fixture. And we've reached out to NZR next year, World Cup year, with only one fixture historically been at Eden Park, but... Um, with the FIFA Women's World Cup, we can't host the All Blacks. So we've actually said, how about doing a rematch of uh, the Rugby World Cup with the Black Ferns at some stage throughout the year? So um, we'd love to see standalone women's fixtures being held at the venue. There's clearly a demand for the content. 
And uh, it really just shows the evolution of um, Eden Park. Over 120 years, we've held men's rugby world cup finals and now we've become the only venue in the world to host a men's and women's rugby world cup final what have you learned through this process nick from from woe to go uh, uh that you maybe weren't aware of or hadn't considered before you were in the situation it just demonstrates the need to this we can't control the on-field results the black ferns have done a phenomenal job in terms of their uh, on-field performance, but what we can do is support the crowd in terms of their off-field um, experience. So working with the local organising committee to have, whether it be poise handed out or indeed um, kid zones, um, entertainments or indeed food offerings, that you really want people... We live in an environment where people are looking for escapism, their experiences that are Instagrammable. And uh, when you look at... Uh, the amount of social media traction that this event has uh, actually had, uh, it's been phenomenal. And um, to, to be the lead story on BBC News um, last weekend is something that, again, just shows the growth of the women's game. Yeah, it's absolutely massive, uh, the, the way that it's gone in the last probably, what, 12 to 18 months, I think. Uh, and, and you've also had to juggle things. I mean, you mentioned Benny at the final. Uh, I know there's been other international and uh, big national acts uh, playing as part of the entertainment packages for some of the other rounds that you've had. Uh, is that you know, something from your point of view that you can now look uh, to build in more often, even with, say, men's events or blues events or other things that are going on? Yeah, whether it be a DJ or an international artist, we've now got a model with uh, the stage and the crowd that works. Um, the Rita Aura, obviously, opening fixture, um, the halftime show, etc., was really special. And um, um, even just the engagement with um, her personally, she was honoured to be actually performing at the Women's Rugby World Cup opening fixture and uh, be the first ever female performer at, at the park in our 120-year history. So um, there's been a number of firsts that this tournament has delivered. I've got to compliment the organising committee, um, the way that they've um, led the tournament. It really has been such a, a good-spirited um, environment and the teams have just been embracing, whether it be Auckland, New Zealand or indeed Eden Park, and uh, we've been delighted to take the Italian team on a tour of the Hello Turf or indeed um, had social media influences up on the roof at our rooftop walk. So I think people are now starting to understand that stadiums and um, coming out of COVID, um, events can actually provide confidence and, and surety after a really uncertain and, uh, and challenging period for the country. Yeah, you've done a fantastic job. Everybody at Eden Park has uh, so far for the tournament, Nick. I congratulate you on that. Uh, beyond this, though, you've, you've actually, uh, I, I think, branched out really for Eden Park, haven't you? You started doing more music events, and you've got some pretty big ones coming up. I know Billy Joel's coming up, Guns N' Roses coming up. Uh, what else have you got coming up, and how many of those are you looking to do every year now? Well, if you look at the next three months, um, it's probably the busiest in our history. Uh, we've got 660 on the 19th of November. Then the following weekend, the Black Hats versus India, ODI. Then the following weekend, Billy Joel. The following weekend, Guns N' Roses. And then a bit of a break over Christmas to get the field right. And then we've got the um, football ferns playing um, the US in uh, the 21st of January. And then throw in Ed Sheeran, uh, in early February, and then Tamatatini, a um, bit of Super Rugby, and then into the FIFA Women's World Cup. So to think that Eden Park has had three Women's World Cups in a two-year window, um, throwing in 
the combination of sport and entertainment, it really is um, time for people to um, embrace these events, um, attend these events. The local economic benefit for both Kingswood and Dominion Road, even if you can't come to some of these events, to just be able to help promote the city. It's a great city. And part of our job is to actually serve the people of Auckland and New Zealand, and we feel very fortunate in doing so. Mate, you're doing a fantastic job, Nick. Uh, looking forward to some of those uh, events coming up as well. It, it's going to be a great time. I, I just hope you get an opportunity to take a breath, mate, because it doesn't sound like uh, you're going to have much time for that sort of thing. Uh, this morning when I woke up my two-year-old at uh, 5.30 to do a television interview at 6.30, I'm not sure if my wife was too impressed, but um, they do get a bit of enjoyment seeing Daddy on the television and um, I go to work every day with a, a lean team who are passionate about what they do. We play to our game plan and the number one value is customer service and uh, we feel very privileged to be um, the custodians of our National Stadium Eden Park and uh, we're very thankful for the support that um, the community provides us. Good stuff, Nick. I really appreciate your time today, mate, and best of luck to you and your team uh, for this weekend and getting uh, that uh, Women's World Cup showpiece wrapped up. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Cheers. Nick Sautner there, the CEO of Eden Park here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We are 14 away from 10. you got to know when the hold up. Know when the fold up. Smithy Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yeah, okay. Time for the uh, time for the multi, and uh, there's one that uh, Logan's been quizzing me on pretty hard. So we'll we'll start with that. It is a three league multi, all out of the states. Um, but I'm going to start with the NFL today. Our leaders of the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, who are at five and three, take on the uh, New Orleans Saints, who are three and five. Uh, and I've gone I've gone with the Ravens, Logan. But you, you you're questioning that one. Uh, I mean, nothing personal against it. I was just curious, mate, because uh, I was sort of, you know, looking at the previews around around the traps on on that match, and then you know you've got the Saints that are seventh in the league for both offensive de- and defense, passing their ranked ninth with uh, Andy Dalton at the helm there, rushing their tenth, and then you look at the Ravens, twentieth on offense, seventeenth on defense. I mean, I remember the days of Ravens just having a choking defense, 26 in passing, which is really surprising considering they have Lamar Jackson. But then on that, because he loves to run the ball, they're yeah. third in the league in rushing. Yeah, exactly. And they also, they, they've um, tightened up their defense. They brought in from the Chicago Bears, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, I think it's Rakan, R-O-Q-U-A-N, Smith, from uh, he's gone to Baltimore from the Chicago Bears, who's a Pro Bowl linebacker. So they've, they've They've strengthened the line. So, uh, yeah, I think the Ravens, and I think the Ravens go on and, and win that division as well. So they've gone with them. Um, and then I've also gone in the uh, NBA. I've got the Phoenix Suns head-to-head against the 76ers today. They're paying $1.66. Um, of course, 76ers is going to be without Joel and Beeb for uh, about a month, uh, and they have been sucking pretty much anyway. So you definitely take the Suns there. And then the other one, uh, I've gone... Uh, the Pelicans to beat the Pacers, who have been in some form, and Zion Williamson starting to starting to maybe uh, pay some of that money back. Look, anytime you go against Joel Embiid and the 76ers, I will support that. And of course, you round <laughs> that all up. Odds four dollars thirty. 
4.30. There you go. That is today's uh, TAB Multi. People will be going, why haven't you put a New Zealand Cup option in there? It's because I don't know enough. I'm going to find out more at 10.20 when we do our New Zealand Cup special panel. Uh, and then maybe after that I'll do another one. But yeah, that is uh, that is what it looks like uh, for today. And remember to tune in. We do have a New Zealand Cup special panel at 10.20 with Clado and BP from the uh, TAB as well. It is six away from 10. Coming up to 10 o'clock here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, that Real Madrid-Rail Vallecano game, mental. Went mental after I mentioned it was 1-0 to Rayo. Then Real Madrid went 2-1 up. And then just before halftime, Vallecano equalised. It's all at halftime in that one. Hey, uh, the Quaddy Crush is uh, up and running as we fizz up for the SENZ Grand Tour. Uh, it's a building a Quaddy pool to attack New Zealand's best racing week in, week out with a good oil team. And you can be involved. We want a kitty of around 50k, and to kick us off, SENZ and the TAB have kicked in 10k each. Now we're after 300 punters to chip in $100 and watch as we try and jag some great divvies throughout the summer to make you a profit. There's already been some super demand, so get involved sooner rather than later. Head to the win page on SENZradio.nz for more details on that. That's the Quaddy Crush is what it's called. Coming up. In the next hour, we are going to talk some racket sports squash, uh, more importantly, with Dave Worsley as the New Zealand Squash Open gets underway with some of the top players in the world. That is taking place in Tauranga. And then we have a big panel for you as well. Brendan Popplewell from the TAB, Mark Clayton from the Good Oil On. It is a New Zealand Cup Day panel special from 1020. This is Mornings with Ian Smith at three past ten. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Well, he's at the T20 World Cup. And now we have uh, the panel coming up at 10.20, as I mentioned. It is a special panel today because we have New Zealand Cup Day on. So it is a New Zealand Cup Day special panel with Brendan Popperwell and Mark Clayton for the uh, New Zealand Cup. So we'll get into that at around 10.20. Before then, though, uh, joining us, from, well, I don't know if he's from New Zealand squash. He's certainly a New Zealand squash pundit and a tennis pundit as well. Dave Worsley, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, all good here in, uh, in well, I was about to say sunny Tauranga, it's overcast, but uh, usually sunny Tauranga. Usually sunny Tauranga, of course, the New Zealand squash open gets underway today. And for the first time in a long time, it feels like, for me anyway, the New Zealand squash open really has... Uh, a cast of uh, of the, the the biggest names in in world squash. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's uh, the first time that we've had both the men's and women's tournament together since 1993. In fact, if I can recall, 93, the final was played in the Mercury Theatre. That tells you how old it was. <laughs> wow. That... <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, yeah, <laughs> that's a long time ago, and a few uh, buildings ago almost. I think it was knocked down, isn't it, or something like that. So, well, it's yeah, still there, the but time. it's uh, yeah, certainly not somewhere that you'd host an international tournament anymore. I think Dave is probably the the nicest way I can put that. Um, but I mean, obviously, we've got our own stars there: Paul Cole, Joel King. Um, what chance do you give each of them? Uh, home soil always helps. Home crowd always helps. So, how do you think they're shaping up ahead of this tournament? Well, they're shaping up pretty well. I mean, they made it through to the final of the Nations Cup, which was the pre-tournament, I guess, and that was completed on Sunday. Uh, that was a different scoring system, a little bit different, and they came up against England in the final, and England just happened to have the Egyptian-born Mohamed Al-Shabagi, who's a legend of the game. I mean, he was number one for four years in a row sort of thing, and he's only number four now. So he's still very, very good. He's one of Paul Cole's main rivals, and also Sarah Jane Perry, who's been one of uh, Joel King's main rivals. 
uh, they were in the team, and it came down to uh, it was shared one match each. Came down to a countback of points, 45-44 to England. So you know they're the main rivals when you look at it. Although Joelle King's path to the final as top seed is pretty tough. She comes up against Sabrina Sobi, who's a pretty good young player coming through. Then if she wins that, most likely against uh, Selma Hami from. Uh, Egypt, who's number 10 in the world, who is, again, another really rising star young player. If she wins that, well, then she'll probably play Sarah Jane Perry in the final. So it's not exactly easy uh, for Paul Cole in uh, his draw. Yeah, he's got a couple of uh, tough players ahead of him as well to get through this. Uh, Miguel uh, Rodriguez from uh, Colombia, who's 13 in the world, former British Open winner. Uh, there's quite a few other top 10 players. Victor Krunen from France, who's a rising star as well, who beat Paul Cole earlier in the year. So, yeah, there's decent players. And there's also 20 countries within the draws, which is kind of cool when you get Hungary, Colombia, Canada, Japan, Germany, and all sorts of countries. It's kind of weird, actually, um, sort of seeing all the players. I went to uh, Marai yesterday with the players. And, yeah, there there is a multitude of players who are, oh, yeah, this is New Zealand. Okay, cool. Um, They're loving it. That's great. That's great. What about, I mean, outside of Paul and Joel, are there going to be other Kiwis we can support at this tournament? Yeah, there is. Um, today, I've been the first day. Uh, it's the first round, Paul and uh, Joel, they're thrown to the second round as uh, top seeds. But today, we've got um, Caitlin Watts, who's ranked 88 in the world. She's from Manawatu, one of eight siblings. It's quite amazing. And she's uh, only 21 years old. She's playing, and she comes up against Lisa Aitken from Scotland, who's got a fairly decent ranking. I think it's around about 50 or thereabouts. And they're playing at about uh, 2.45 on the Devoy court. So that means they're at the other centre for the first round. Uh, yeah, that's that's winnable, losable. Um, I know that Aitken does have a little bit of a niggling injury on her foot, so maybe that's an advantage for Watts to go through. If she goes through, she'll be playing against one of the seeded players in the next round. And then later on this evening... At 8.30 on the main court, the Trust Power Arena, live on Sky, uh, will be Luamba Chalisi. He comes up against the Canadian uh, David Balagelon. I think I got it right with the accent. He's very French-Canadian. He's ranked about uh, 59 or thereabouts, maybe, in the world. And that will be a tough one for Luamba, who's just inside the top 100. You know, Commonwealth Games rep as well. But, you know, if he wins that, you know, he'll, he'll be very pleased um, and it'll give him really good ranking points and push him up the world rankings. So, yeah, there's the two other Kiwis to play. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because, I mean, those games are, are going to be tough, but they are winnable games. They haven't drawn seeds first up, right? And, and, and I mean, getting yep. through the first round of this tournament, what does that mean in terms of rankings for both those players? I mean, how, how high could it push them? Oh, yeah, I mean, from uh, 88 for Caitlin and uh, 99, I think it is, for Luamba, you know, it, it would push them 10, 15 places upwards, you know, perhaps even more, uh, because this is a silver tournament. You know, you go, sil- you go bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Uh, next year, the plan is to take the tournament to gold, which is pretty huge, and uh, then the Australian Open will follow uh, to challenger at the moment, and that will go to bronze. So what it means is there's value in the players coming to New Zealand, because otherwise it's a long way to come. And if you lose first round, there's no doubles. Mm. Like in tennis, you can play a bit of doubles and earn money. You know, there's a long way to come. And the prize money isn't, uh, it's not the same as, say, uh, in, in tennis. You know, they, they just they just cringe when I tell them about their tennis prize money. They're just like, yeah, okay, uh, that's like one whole year what yeah. we can win. I mean, you know, for someone like Paul Cole and Mohamed Al-Shabagi, you know, they, they earn 
nicely um, because they're winning, you know, British Open or World Champs, etc. And they, they get good money there and good sponsorship. But, you know, if you're Luanda Chalisi or someone ranked 50 in the world, uh, you know, that's economy seat, the cheapest one you can find to get to anywhere. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I mean, and I guess that also then makes, uh, you know, the higher your ranking goes, the easier it is to to get into tournaments. You don't have to maybe play qualifying, exactly. etc. Yeah, well, there's not even qualifying. There used to be qualifying for these tournaments, uh, but now it's just basically straight up on your ranking. Okay, you, you know, um, 24 or 32 people enter, and if you're number 33, well, you could get lucky and someone pull out and you make it. Um, there's a couple of wild cards. Well, the one wild card in the men's is for Luamba Chalisi and one wild card in the women's for Caitlin Watts. So, yeah, it's it's, um, it, it's not easy, um, but for people like Paul Cole, Joel King, uh, you know, it, it works out nicely and, you know, you, you compete to get better. I think that's the best thing. It's like you always have a target and I guess the target's to win every match. The more matches you win, the more opportunity you get and the more you know how you get to sit near the front of the plane yeah and you mentioned sky have got coverage of this tournament as well yeah that's right um so they're basically taking every match at the main arena uh there was a good crowd there for the nation's cup on the final couple of days people just getting used to that format and now we revert to the the normal format best of five up to 11 etc uh something that suits someone like Paul Cole, who loves to grind people into the dirt. Uh, meanwhile, his opponent, Mohamed Al-Shabaghi, is like called the beast, and he just likes to power people. So it's kind of cool. If they make it to the final, if we have a final featuring uh, Joel King against Sarah Jane Perry, you know, if they had the rivalry at the Commonwealth Games that went, I think it was 16-14 in the fifth, where Joel ended up losing, whereas in the previous game, she ended up winning for the gold. You know, if we get Paul Cole against Shabaghi, uh, that would be well worth it, anybody watching, I can tell you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think we quite get how big squash is internationally here at the moment. And, you know, that's probably because for New Zealand until uh, recently, you know, the the days of Ross Norman and Susan DeVoy are far behind us. So that was when we, we last really, um, you know, were invested in squash to, at a national level. But, I mean, how big is the coverage of this going to be outside of New Zealand? Well, if you look in Egypt, it'll go through the roost. Um, Egypt is the big country. You've got Mo Salah in football, number one. Yeah. And number two is squash. I mean, seriously, number two is squash. Uh, Mohamed Al-Shabaghi, I think he actually said it on Staffy's show last week when he went on. He said, you know, uh, for the under-11 national championships, you know, you, you get a 500-player draw. Wow. You know, try and work that out. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to figure out how to do that at all. But, you know, that, that's the sort of thing he said. And they are good. And they expect to be good. And to try and even get into that draw is, you know, he said people in most of the countries join clubs to play and have a bit of fun. He said, there, there's no fun turning up for a bit of a hit. No, you're there to actually try and win. Uh, Al Shabagi is just amazing the things that he says. He's very direct on what he says. <laughs> so he doesn't muck around on what he says. So it's uh, that's the sort of thing. It's hugely popular there. It's quite big in the states, particularly there's a couple of really good um, female players. In fact, I think there's three in the top twenty. Uh, the Canadians are pretty decent at it. India is quite good. Uh, China's had some tournaments. It's growing in Asia. Uh, Germany, Belgium, France. France is very strong. Germany is as well. Uh, the Spanish, the Spanish have had. Players, so yeah, it's certainly growing, and they were certainly pretty peeved when they didn't get the uh, spot in the Olympics. Uh, went to breaking, and what was it? Um, I can't remember the other one that made it through. Well, break um, dancing, so, or ballroom dancing, or something stupid, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't call sports stupid because every sport is good in its own right. 
There you go. Was that diplomatic? That um, was very. It was more diplomatic than I was, Dave. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, going to ask you about the US because, I mean, you know, you haven't spent a lot of time there, but every time I see anything that looks like squash in a movie or a TV show out of the US, it's racquetball. So, I mean, are those two things competing? I mean, how big is squash comparatively? Well, well, they're not competing as such. I mean, um, the racquetball, handball is is very much played at the um, sports clubs. Like in New York, there's the whatever sports clubs, and what they do is like business meetings are done over that. Um, you know, you'll you'll go and then have a you know, big stake afterwards, sort of stuff after you've played a bit of racquetball, handball, whatever. Uh, but squash is pretty big now. It's in the universities. So quite a number of uh, Kiwi players, like one of the top juniors, he played at the World Junior Champs earlier this year for New Zealand and then went straight to a um, scholarship at a university. Um, the Ivy League schools love it. They, they they love it. You know, it's like you can get a tennis scholarship, football, rowing, athletics, etc. Well, squash is in there now. And generally, there's a few recruiters from US universities that go to World Junior Champs now. That's fantastic. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a, even a player from uh, Anna O'Connor from Invercargill who's on a scholarship at one of the universities. There's a couple from the Bay of Plenty, one from Gisborne, I think it is, or somewhere like that, and a few from Auckland uh, who are going on sports scholarships. So we're very used to it in tennis and a few other sports, but squash is growing now. So in that sense, it's good. If it's in the universities, then it's in the States. Yeah, and it's got a chance to grow, which is fantastic. Uh, coverage starts when, Dave, on Sky? Uh, one o'clock today. I, I can't tell you which channel because they're, they're sort of it's a moving beast. But it is on uh, from one o'clock today. Uh, first round matches, but tomorrow though, uh, Paul Cole's six thirty, I think, and uh, Joel King's around about seven thirty or thereabouts. But you've got all the good players ahead of them as well. Yeah, brilliant. Good stuff, Dave. Thanks very much for your time, mate, and good luck at no the worries, uh, squash open this weekend, eh? Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers. You. Bye-bye. Uh, Dave Worsley there with us. Uh, the New Zealand Squash Open getting underway today. It goes through the next four days. Up next, it is the New Zealand Cup Day panel special with Brennan Popperwell and Mark Clayton here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty-one past ten here on SENZ. It is a New Zealand Cup Day panel special, and you know it must be special uh, because we've got those horns on because that means that Mark Clayton's in the studio. G'day, Clayton. How are you, mate? Hey, Ricardo. Pleasure to be joining you. Oh, New mate, Zealand Cup Day. How excited are you? How fizzing oh, are you? That, that bugle call gets you fizzed, doesn't it, mate? On a scale of one to ten, nine point nine. Nine point nine. Okay. What about you, uh, Brendan Popperwell from the TAB? Uh, also part of our New Zealand Cup Day panel special. Yeah, r- r- fizzed up, Rick Dog, uh, and, and hello to you as well, Clado. Uh, um, it, it's our biggest. It is our biggest day um, across all three codes. Yes, we have huge race days in the thoroughbreds, Karaka Millions, and Derby days, and all that. But this one really does stand alone uh, as the second Tuesday in November is our biggest day in the country. Uh, now, we, I, d- I did put it out there, um, Pops, that. Uh if anybody had any questions they wanted to ask the panel to send them through. And I had this one come through from Pony earlier this morning. He said, I'm looking for someone's thoughts on Merlin's chances in race nine. Got a bad draw, but good, but been good to me all year. What are your thoughts? 
the, the barrier draw is, is a huge issue. I don't think anybody's doubting his out-and-out ability because he's eight, eight from eight. Uh, he, he doesn't win by big margins, but he knows how to get it done. And if he had drawn a front-line barrier draw, I think we would be all over him. The, the fact is that he hasn't, and he's drawn probably the worst place possible on the second line, just makes so much of a query because his biggest danger is drawn two, and that's going to go straight past the stable mate off the gate, and Sherlock can find the front, and he's going to have to do no work at the race. It's just around to Merlin coming around and sitting outside, and can he serve it up to Don't Stop Dreaming? So that would be my biggest question, Mark. Maybe it's a case of taking a cheeky Quinella with the two and the 15 as a bit of a saver for Tony. Yeah, well, uh, you agree with that, Clayton? Yeah, yeah, well, you get a bit of value around Merlin too. So with Zachary Butcher on board, you're not going to lose anything there. So I think he'll, he'll, he'll time his run to perfection. And, yeah, Mark Purden, Hayden Cullen, they held a bit of a mortgage on the race, but it's not run on paper. It's out there on the track and Zachary driving for you. You're in good hands. It isn't run on paper. You're right there, 100% correct. Uh, well, gentlemen, I, I threw some questions together for the panel, so we'll start with this one. Of course, it is New Zealand Cup Day, and, and that is the race that everybody stops to watch. But outside of race 11 today, what other race are you most looking forward to, Clado? Well, it is race nine. In fact, the uh, Woodland Stud Size Stakes final featuring Merlin, you know, up against the Hot Pots, the Purden, uh, Juggernaut, Don't Stop Dreaming, as Brendan said, drawn beautifully barrier too. So it's really Don't Stop Dreaming's race to lose. But Merlin, he's eight from eight. He's going for nine from nine. Like, you want to see that. Yeah, you do want to see that. Uh, and, and we've got your thoughts on how that may or may not happen. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, look, um, it's pretty hard to go past that race because years gone by, this has really been a, a terrific race to set up where our younger horses are at. We see a number of horses that will finish probably from sixth through to even last. It might, they, they end up getting sold to Australia. This is a race where uh, the marketplace is hot for those that want to uh, be shipped off for a good price to Western Australia and those sort of places, and it really does set up, as I said, our younger horses. I am looking forward to the eighth race on the program too because it is a feature trot race. And Bolt for Brilliance is very short in the market, $1.90, and it will set up nice if he wins that race uh, for Friday's race, which is going to be a mouth-watering clash uh, with, our, with our best trotters in Sunday Sun, uh, Muscle Mountain and Bolt for Brilliance, uh, who are all coming with that winning form line into Friday. So uh, that, that's certainly an undercard feature for mine, the eighth of the day. OK, so there you go, race nine, race eight, the other standout uh, races. Uh, we'll stay with you uh, for this one, Brennan. Um, if you were going to follow one driver today, who is it and why? Uh, Blair Orange, uh, he, he's the best in the country. Uh, he, he drives Eddington, uh, well, he, he drives Eddington the best because he is the best in the country, uh, is Blair. And he's he's on a lot of leading chances, including his cup drive uh, tonight, uh, this afternoon, and, and copy that. So uh, you can't go past him with how he, he really just puts them into the race at the right time. He can control speed. And when he's a man in front, not a lot of others like to come around and attack because the highly likelihood that he's not going to hand up. So... I'd say Blair Orange is a pretty good man to be following today. Clayto? Yeah, the postman always delivers. But uh, <laughs> look, look, it was either Blair Orange or Mark Purden. And I think Mark Purden, this is the day the All-Stars stable shine. And yeah, Mark Purden, hard to go past. But there is an up-and-coming driver in the junior driver ranks. He's got a drive in the cup today. And I think one for the future is definitely Carter Del Getty. Carter Del Getty, one to keep an eye on. We, there's been a lot of talk about we've got, uh, you know, for the first time since COVID broke, we're a lot of Australian horses here this time. Why don't we have more Australian drivers, if that's the case, Clayton? Oh, I suppose stake money. It's uh, yeah, everyone sort of settled into their own industries, and yeah, we've got two worthy opponents from Australia over here today. Oh, I'm not, a, you know, like I don't like the Aussies coming over and stealing our 
our trophy, so <laughs> I'll be playing against them. But they're two live chances, rock and roll do. And Majestic Cruiser, he's kind of the forgotten Aussie Raider and... Yeah, he's won at a decent price before he, both sides of the Tasman. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I had uh, Ken Rutherford on the show earlier, and I asked him at the end, uh, we were talking mainly cricket and, and drinking spades, uh, <laughs> but uh, he did suggest that Rocket, uh, that uh, Majestic Cruiser, which sounds like it was named after his playing style, to be fair, uh, was, was, was the one he was backing in, uh, Brendan. Mm, yeah, I think it's the best roughy in the race, Majestic Cruiser. Um, he's hovering around that $16 quote now. He is a horse that ran really well in the race by Grins. Of course, he ran second behind Self-Assured. He's a Group 1 winner here uh, out of Alexandra Park. The the thing with the two Australian horses is the standing start. That is the the biggest query because, you know, 95% of the time they don't don't have standing start races uh, throughout Victoria and and throughout Australia. And there's only a couple of races that have standing start. So that would be just that one little query with both of these horses. Rock and roll do. Did get away uh, off the off the tapes at the trials last Wednesday and did it very well and had a standing start and obviously just got it wrong at Ashburton and the flying stakes. But that, that would be my two question marks with them. Don't doubt their chances of winning their race with that. They're both serious hopes. Yeah, all right. Uh, now, uh, the, do you, this text has just come through too. Do you guys know number two in race 11 today, which is Majestic Cruiser? Okay, there you go. Jason, well, uh, with his finger on the pulse as usual. Thanks for, for your text, Jason. We've just been covering that one off, mate. Um, well, much like drivers, if there was a trainer you were going to follow today, uh, Clado, who would that be? Well, does that, does that, does that, is that the same answer as the driver? Pretty much falls that way, but um, Colin de Filippi, one of the stalwarts of the industry, not able to drive today, and, and that just gets and sticks in my craw. Just a terrible feeling about this, and um, he's not driving today. He lost his brother Mike, uh, two doings of the industry just last week, and it would have been great to have CJ out there. I know he's a sports getting out to fifty to one, but Colin's got a nice little team around him at the at the moment, and it would have been lovely to see CJ out there. But I'm going to go. I'll go. Ray Green, I suppose, the second to take on the All Stars today. Yeah, the second to take on the All Stars. What about you, um, Brendan? Have you have you got a, a trainer that you like to follow on days like this? Oh, look, um, the, the Blue Army of Purden and Cullen. Uh, they, they are going to have a number of horses uh, throughout the day. They will have some short price favourites um, throughout the, the afternoon as well. Uh, they're probably key trainers uh, to be looking out for, and of course, they hold a very serious hand uh, coming up in the IRT New Zealand Trotting Cup. Uh, a little bit like um, what um, Mark spoke about in terms of the Dalgetty. Certainly, Cran Dalgetty uh, is, is, a tro- is a trainer you'd be wanting to watch too because he has a very strong chance in race number five in the Republican Party, uh, who looks one of the better bets on the program and, of course, uh, has uh, Krug in the, in the New Zealand Trotting Cup. So, um, yeah, that'd be a couple of trainers I'd, I'd be keeping pretty close off watch on. And for the straight-out trotters, BP, Paul Nairn. You can always put the ring around a Paul Nairn runner, can't you? And he'll... He's got a great strike rate. Yeah, he has, yeah, and just a, a, an amazing conditioner of trotters. Um, you know, that's that, that's what he's been able to produce year on year uh, is great trotters, and yeah, Paul Nian's a man to be following, and of course he's got a couple going throughout some of the races here today, so uh, race number 12, uh, he's got one in there by the name of El Conqueror, who might be one to follow it, uh, ho- hovering around that $5 mark uh, in race number 12, so that's after the cup, uh, but did go a good race down at Kaikoura uh, the other week, so Pony and good, good trotting man to follow. Yeah, all right. Well, we've got, we've got a, a bit of a taste for it. We'll continue the panel shortly. We've got a few more big questions to ask uh, Clado and Brennan as well. We'll do that after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk.
It is a New Zealand Cup Day special on the panel with Mark Clayton and Brendan Popplewell. Uh, let's continue through uh, those questions and uh, let's get to the big questions, B-Pops. Uh, I've, I've, I've put these all together as a trifecta Quinella winner question. Uh, answer as you as, as you like. How, how would you like to uh, go go forward first? Oh, gee. Well, you want a Quinella or a trifecta first? Uh, your pick, mate. You, you you tell us what you, you what you're thinking. Okay, okay. Well, I think um, in, in terms of the cup this year, overall, it's a, it's a pretty big beast. Uh, this is one of the most even cup fields we've seen for a number of years. And what I mean by that is that we've had horses that have been desperately short in the market or it's maybe just been down to one or two serious hopes. And then the rest are battling out for a chance of running in the top four. We could see a blowout this year in this year's cup um, that is very possible. So if you like something rough, don't be steered away from it. I can't get away from, from copy that, runner number eight. So I think he's a horse that will put himself in the right position. He looks like he will step off the tape if he does it like last year and find the front. I think he's the one to beat. So I, I like copy that. I'm very, very wary of the two Australian horses. If they both make a clean beginning, both the two Majestic Cruiser and the 13 and Rock and Roll do, uh, they are a must for your trifectas and first fours and Quinellas and any of those sort of multiple bet types. So I'm liking copy that. The two and the 13 for Quinellas and Trifectas. And if you're looking for something maybe a little bit away from those two horses, I thought Old Town Road number nine was a must in, in terms of boxing up because he's the up and comer uh, in the race. All right. So the, uh, I, I get the feeling you might be boxing a few today by the sounds of that. I think so. I think so, Ricardo. Just to be on the safe side, um, it, it, yeah, I, I just feel as though it could be that race where, look, if Majestic Cruiser wins it at $18 and copy that run second and Old Town Road run third, you, you're in for a nice payday. But if the favourite keeps rolling along in front and he doesn't get nabbed, well, he gets the job done, but one of those others runs in the money. So he just gives you a bit of insurance. Clayton? I, I, I sort of agree with BP around copy that. Um, yeah. I'd like to love to see him, and he, he probably should have been going for three in a row, to be brutally honest, after what happened two years ago at the start. <laughs> uh, so just deserves just uh, just deserves desserts last season. But, gee, Brendan, Mark Purden, Natalie Rasmussen, we're leaving out self-assured Akuta and spank him. And, and this time last year, uh, Akuta looked like he was going to be nigh unbeatable. So can we afford to leave those Purden Rasmussen horses out of this? <laughs> well, how big's your budget, Mark? I suppose if we're spending um, uh, the Gordo... It, it's Clado, mate. He's got a massive budget. budget, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just throw them in then um, if we've got a big budget. Um, look, my, my query would be with self-assured is, is A, the standing start. He's drawn in barrier number one. That may not be the best place for him, but if he gets away clean and he's in number one position, it means he's doing the least work in the race and he might be three back to fence and he becomes a serious place chance in the race. Uh, Spankham is the one I'm worried about uh, from, from the stable, to be completely honest with you, because we know he, he's, a, he's a tradesman. He gets away, he puts himself in the race, he'll hand up to the right horse, and he, he'll be a horse that has well, he's been placed in the cup for the last two years, uh, 2019 and 2020, should I say, in Spankham. So he's the one I'm most fear, and he's a very good top five bet, because that option is available on the TAB, a top five or a top eight finish. You'll get a run for your money with Spankham. He is a real workman. Akuda, uh, he's kind of the new kid on the block. And look, Brendan, we haven't talked about Amanda and Steve Telfer's runners. Beady Joe, he always puts himself in the race. And I notice Tim Williams, who's been 
the stable driver down south. He's driving Alter Wise Guy, and the money is coming for Alter Wise Guy. Could have got 31s at one stage. He was 18s last night. So I think you need a big spread. I'd spring, I think we'll just anchor copy that to one. Yeah, and that's going to help your spread. If you are going to take a lot of horses, it's it's best to find one that you like. If you're in the copy that team, you can take a trifecta with copy that to win and then a, a lot more horses for second and third. It's, it's going to reduce your spend and it gives you that opportunity of spreading it a lot further. Um, so that, that would be the one way to take it or if you're a rock and roll do fan or a Majestic Cruiser fan. So yeah, that that's one way of, of playing it is, is picking one you like and then taking those spread of horses in behind to help your budget. Yeah, I, I don't think Clayton has actually answered the question about what your trifecta is yet, though. He's, he's, he's mentioned about 15 horses, yeah. uh, BP, but I don't know if I've got a trifecta out of him yet. Well, you just put <laughs> copy that on top. And, and look, I think uh, Mark Purden, out of all those runners, he's chosen a cooter, so I think the magic man... Mark Purden will get him away. So I reckon play a cooter and copy that on top with self-assured Majestic Cruiser, spank him, uh, Old Town Road, the new kid on the block, Beady Joe, and Alter Wise Guy to run second and third. There you go. Oh, that easy. That easy. I, I've, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a stacked front three, isn't it, BP? <laughs> it, is, it is. I like it. I like where he's going. And, um, yeah, you've got to find some value in there somewhere and hopefully the value's from something like Majestic Cruiser who's, who's an $18 shot who might run a Run a big race, so yep, I like where he's going. Yeah, I I, I pick up what you're putting down too about this because I remember uh, the last couple of years. I think you could get a favourite in the in this race for about, at about a dollar ninety, a dollar eighty. But I uh, I think at the moment, what is it? The shortest price favourite is is at about three sixty, so uh, or three eighty. I think copy at, uh, copy, copy that, that yeah. at, is at now. So uh, that certainly does make it interesting and gives us lots of options. It almost feels uh, like you've gone back to Melbourne Cup day. Like you know, where do you go? Where do you go? Throw a dart, throw a dart. Um, all right, we we have you have given us a couple of, of roughies, mate. You mentioned Majestic Cruiser, uh, Brennan, but is there another roughie that you like that you would go? You know, if you got a spare fiver, that it might be worth uh, might might be worth slapping it on. Look, I think um, the seven horse in Pembroke Playboy is a horse that will at least step cleanly and then hand up to the right horse. It's just a matter of how far deep he gets on the on on the peg. So if he was able to step and get away and get to the front initially and then wait for that horse, like copy that, to come round. Look, he might, be, he might end up in a, in a half-decent spot, and, and that's what you're going to need with these ruffies, is, is sitting on the pegs and doing as least amount of work as possible so they can finish into a, into a top four, top five, or a top eight position. So he'd be one of those horses. You can play a number of different bet types, just apart from your stock standard Quinella Trophy at the first four. If you go on the tab.co.nz website, you'll find the New Zealand hub, if you go to the bottom of that hub, you can make your own power play. So it's called a DIY power play. So you can pick a horse to win, a couple of horses to run top five, and a horse to run top eight. And it's going to spit out a number at you to say, this multi is going to be worth X amount of dollars. You can pick five horses for top five or five horses to run in the top eight. So there's a number of different ways of playing it. And I've taken a couple of DIY power plays with Pembroke Playboy in there uh, as a top eight chance, uh, just to maybe try and, uh, sit low on the pegs. He's two ten to run top eight. Just might be something to, to add a little bit of value into that bit type. Yeah. All right. What about you, Clato? Well, just a yeah, DIY. Yeah, uh, okay, power play. According to according to you, there's 15 horses that are running in the front three. So there must be <laughs> there's only one or two left you can pick well, as a roughie. Surely there's a couple I left out. I mean, there's a couple that aren't going as as good. But yeah, definitely uh, Pembroke Playboy top eight. Mm. The DIY DIY power plays. Yeah, you can have a bit of fun with that.
He could do. All right, gentlemen, uh, we talked about what race you're most looking forward to outside of the New Zealand Cup, but where else are you going to be putting your money today that's not at the New Zealand Cup, Clayton? That's not at the New Zealand Cup. Yeah. Day or race? Right, sorry, the race, the New Zealand Cup race. Which race on the card are you going to, are you put, are you looking at investing in most? Well, I thought I had one in race two. I thought he was a special. Uh, number seven, Mr. Smarty. He was really good, fresh up. He's had a trial since then. Uh, ran second on debut. And I thought, uh, Tim Williams aboard. Uh, this looks really good. But then I see the horse above it, or just inside it, a Hoka LeBron. The six opened up at 10, and last night was into 420. So. Bit dubious around, uh, bit nervous around Mr. Smarty, but I'm going to stick with him. Going to stick with him. What about you, Brennan? Look, I think um, in, in, in terms of having a bet there today and a serious bet, uh, race five, number seven, Republican Party. He, he really does stand out for the day as the one. Um, he is at a price of two dollars. He opened at two dollars and fifty cents. Uh, his trial the other week was very good. Uh, he just looks to be spot on. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think he's the multi-anchor for the day and you can double your money. And if you are looking for something a little bit later on in terms of just trying to find some value, uh, I would look towards race 10, uh, number one, and get up and dance is around the $7.50 mark. Uh, and even the horse that's drawn right behind him in the 10 and Franco Norton, both of them are at the seven fifty eight fifty price respectively. Uh, it, there's a little bit of value in those two runners running, running a big race in, in race 10. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. B-Pop, say, uh, whereabouts are you for the day today? I'm working in the studio today, uh, Ricardo. I've got to look after things uh, out of counties. Got a race meeting out of Pukekohe today, so a uh, busy old day there. And then, um, of course, crossing to the team down uh, at uh, Addington. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy week. In fact, it is. it's our biggest week uh, in New Zealand racing. Uh, and this is, as I said beforehand, our big day of the year. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Well, have a great day in the uh, uh, in the studio and counties, mate. And uh, best of luck on the punt as well, eh? Cheers, Ricardo. Thanks, man. Cheers, mate. And uh, Clado, of course, uh, the good oil from midday. What do you got lined up on the show? Yeah, Ma, doing the good uh, good oil today with staff. We've got a punters club, so you can text in, get in the draw for the for the uh, New Zealand Cup later on this afternoon. And we're running a punters club, so twenty lucky people will call their names out just after twelve, and we'll be taking all the races from counties and Addington today. So looking oh, forward to it. Twelve mate, till six. Twelve till six. That is the place to be right here on SENZ. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at TAB. .co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Now, this has been the panel. When we come back, we're going to take some of your calls, some of your texts uh, on what you think the panel have dished up for you. What do you like? Let us know. 8833 or 0800-150-811. Morning to the Ian Smith, Ricardo Paul in for your call. So 0800-150-811 is our number. 0800-150-811. Uh, and if you are SENZ's caller of the month, you're in the draw to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill Barbie. How good would that be ahead of of summer. Oh, mate, be all over that. Uh, now, I've had quite a few texts come through on 8833 about the Punters Club. Craig, Carrie, um, a few others have, have messaged through saying, "How can you put me in? Can you put me in for the Punters Club? How do I get in for the Punters Club? I'll tell you how you get in for the Punters Club. It's uh, a new thing called the Quaddy Crush. Uh, now, all you got to do is go online to senzradio.nz 
Go to senzradio.nz and head to the win page. All right, so go there, head to the win page. They have, they want to get the kitty up to 50K. It's currently 20K because SENZ and TAB have kicked in 10K each. But now they're after punters to chip in 100 bucks each to get in there as they try and drag some, uh, jag some great divvies throughout the summer to make you a profit. So that is how you get in uh, the punters club. All right, gentlemen, uh, thanks very much for texting through. That is how you do it. To, to get into the punters club, uh, go to senz.radio.nz, senzradio.nz. And then uh, go from there, head to the win page, and you'll find it all there for you. When we come back, Louis Herman Watt is going to join us for a Love Racing update. The Love Racing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yeah, it's five away from 11. Louis Herman Watt joins us. And Louis, I know you'll be fizzed up about today. Uh, and, and I know that's not thoroughbreds, but uh, a big day in racing today. But another big day uh, tomorrow at Rickerton as well. What are you fizzed up about for tomorrow? Well, it's Copeland's mild day, Rick Dog. But you know what? I, I guarantee you, Tim Mills and the Rickerton Jockey Club won't mind us saying a big, you know what today's all about. And that's the Pacers, that's the Harness game. Um, we love the harness racing in Tuesday, second Tuesday of November. It's all about it. I'm just here in our broadcast spot. Oh, we've got an unimpeded view of the post. I'm right above the Bacardi on the green lawn where I can already see Daisy Dag shredding it up later on. And Izzy, who was only meant to be here for an hour and a quarter, just starting to get into his work. I've just come across DJing at the entrance gate. Get this, Tim from Christchurch, our listener. Oh. He stopped me and said, it's Tim from Christchurch, mate. <laughs> He's DJing there. They go, well, what sort of tunes is he pumping out? Well, I said, do you, will you play uh, horses, Daryl Braithwaite? He said, no, nah, but I'll play Old Town Road when he wins for you. How good is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had it. We did a special New Zealand Cup Day panel with B-Pops and, and, and Clado and and got some... Uh, good men. Good men. Solid men. Yeah, got some, got some tips from them. Um, I did ask, if you're going to follow one driver today, who is it and why, uh, what would your answer be? Oh, one driver today. Who and why? Uh, oh, oh, man. Um, look, there's so many different ways you can spin this. How about I say Zach Butcher because he's my favourite harness driver. So he's a good dude. He seems to be in a rich vein of form at the moment where he's rating horses to perfection. He's getting them to the post at the exact perfect time. And he's on my Cup Hope Old Town Road. And I think Zach Butcher, if there's a strong pace with Old Town Road, might just be able to swoop on them and sting them on the line. And then tomorrow, we'll go back to Rick and very quickly, Rick Dog. Copeland's Bakery Mile Day. It's such an even race there, the Copeland's Mile. Um, there's the Canterbury Breeders as well. I see Belle Clears down, but she's drawn wide. Um, you've got Providence Provides in that race as well. And I'll be there giving you probably doing this cross from live at Rickett and tomorrow. So uh, I'll see you then. You will indeed. I can actually see you now because uh, you're on camera and uh, you've got the shades on. I know you've, you've, you're probably quite happy to be back home in, in uh, Canterbury. Uh, how, how dusty are you today? Uh, do I look scucks? You look scucks as, bro. Yeah, it's perfect. That's what I'm after. Tim from Christchurch. Uh, I saw he eyed me up and I was thinking, geez, does he think he looks better than me? And he actually did because he had a little fedora on. And that's the one thing I'm missing, a fedora. Yeah, well, I was actually a bit worried about your safety, mate, because it looks like you're in there with the uh, Peaky Blinders gang. Is everything all right? No, it's just Jake the intern. And he's just got to sort out the AC in here. And he's listening. So he's just going to go and figure that one out. Because we're problem solvers at SCND, aren't we, Rick? We are, we are. He's got, uh, he's got the cheese cutter on. He needs to sort that boat race out, though, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 something like that. Okay, mate, i got to crack on. Big day. All right, you crack on. Thanks for your time, Louis. Go well.
Eric Dog. Bye. Yeah, there you go, Louis Herman Watt with us for the Love Racing update. Uh, not that there was much of a Love Racing update there because we were talking all about Cup Day, weren't we? Uh, and Cup Day, everyone is fizzing for it. Uh, had this text in come from Joe before. Morena boys, absolutely fizzing for Cup Day today. Race two, Mr. Smarty to get me off to a good start. I think it's one that Clado liked, actually. Race three, I love Charlie P each way as he has trialled the house down. Race five is Moral with Republican Party. And then race seven, an all-stars Quinella of True Fantasy and Queen of Diamonds. Race eight, a banker with a bolt for brilliance. And I'm sticking with Merlin race nine. I have six horses in the cup, and then here's Herbie to get out, uh, get out bet in the last. Go well, team. That is from Joe, mate. Joe, Joe sounds like he's got his day down. He's well sorted. It looks like he's already invested. So that is, that is huge. Uh, Craig has sent us a text through as well to say that uh, he's done the 50k for the punters club. He's in there. Uh, wants to know about the punters club for today. Well, Staffy's going to be with us at about uh, in about an hour's time, so we'll find out about the deal is with the punters club for today, Craig. And uh, if we can, we'll get you in that as well. Uh, they had a text about the Black Caps games. Um, Heard an ad on SENZ that said SENZ is broadcasting ball-by-ball coverage of the Black Caps games. Is that true? Uh, yes, it is, Jason. Uh, thanks for your text. It is. Uh, those, it'll be Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott with that call. Yeah, to, to an extent, ball-by-ball coverage of the World Cup. So looking of, forward to that one. World Cup. Yes, of the World Cup. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, tomorrow, uh, for you, Jason, that's a 6.30pm Australian time, of course, 8.30 for here, us in New Zealand. Uh, there you go. I hope that uh, that is all clear as mud for you now, Jason, and you got that sorted out. Now, coming up, the latest in news and sport with Aroha Hathaway. In the next hour, we're going to talk NFL with Shiraz Soysa, the head coach of New Zealand's national flag football team. We'll go through the Week 9 results. Uh, get his take on my bet today for the Ravens to get up over the Saints as well. And then we're going to do Stumped, and we've got a $100 TAB bonus bet to give away today on Cup Day. So that could be all yours, and we'll catch up with staff and the Good Oil team as well. Three past 11 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith coming up. Uh, we are going to give away a $100 TAB bonus bet voucher, or we'll give you the chance to win one at least because uh, we have uh, Stumped coming up and a $100 TAB bonus bet voucher up for grabs on. That will also catch up with Staffy and the Good Oil team ahead of their big afternoon from midday till 6 covering Cup Day and a bunch of other things as well. And uh, right now we're going to talk NFL. Uh, congrats, uh, I was going to say congratulations. Introducing. Uh, Shiraz Soysa, the head coach of New Zealand's national flag football team. Uh, g'day, Shiraz. How you doing? Hey, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Now, uh, to set the set the table for us to start with, uh, I, I do a TAB bet every day on a, a multi, uh, and today I went All-American, a couple of NBA games, and I went the Ravens to beat the Saints. Um, now, Logan gave me some stats that made me think, maybe, maybe the Saints are more of a, a sniff than I thought here. But uh, I thought they, the, the Ravens have been travelling pretty well, and they, I thought they had a good, uh, a good trade window as well. What, what's your take? Yeah, look, I, I agree with both those points. Um, the challenge with the Saints is they're very much a non-traditional style offense. You know, they they do have a, a, a you know a traditional QB in, in Andy Dalton who comes in and does his thing, but they'll also 
sprinkle in um, you know a whole bunch of other aspects, which really makes it tricky. It's one of those teams that on their day they can they can do quite a lot of things. Um, the Ravens have really shown up their their defense, in particular uh, with the trade deadline, getting Roquan Smith. So, you know, they fixed one of their biggest holes. They're still struggling with injuries a little bit, but you know they've got the ultimate wild card in in Lamar Jackson, and I think that's going to be the difference. Where does Lamar Jackson sit for you at the moment in the uh, in the ranking of all the quarterbacks in the NFL? Because I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers fall away. We'll get to that in a bit. Tom Brady's not, you know, well, he's forty five, so you wouldn't expect him to be the player he was. Patrick Mahomes, is, I guess, is 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 still up there. But where uh, does Lamar Jackson sit for you? Yeah, look, I, I probably have him in that in that top tier. Um, I'd, I'd say I'd have Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, um, Lamar Jackson, um, and. Uh, Josh Allen, sorry, I'm trying to think of the name. Yeah, and, and that'll be my top tier. You definitely, definitely lost the, um, you know, the old heads in, in Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers. I think they're no longer in that upper echelon. Uh, there's guys like Joe Burrow who are sort of creeping up there, but um, that's sort of where I'd place Lamar Jackson, that top four QB grouping. Yeah, all right. Well, that's uh, that's good. So, okay, you're on me. All right, we're on me. They're a point and a half favourite today against the Saints. That game getting underway just after two o'clock. Sure, uh, we did mention Aaron Rodgers, and man, uh, yesterday all went south for him. He threw three interceptions inside the opponent's twenty-five yard line. Um, in the last ten seasons, only four players have done that, including Fitzpatrick, Bortles, and Kyle Allen. Uh, I think a lot of people were writing off Tom Brady earlier, but it looks like Aaron Rodgers is the one that's really gone off the boil. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting and quite shocking, actually. I mean, I've been you know I've been watching Aaron Rodgers quite closely, being a Bears fan um, over the last sort of decade, and he's doing things that I've never seen him do. Um, he's double guessing himself. He's not, you know, he's not throwing the 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 same level, or he's not throwing with the same level of timing and confidence that he was in the past. Um, you know, uh, he, he's sort of going away from his reads and. You know, all the tools are still there. He can still throw on the run. He's still got the amazing arm power. But it just looks like he doesn't trust his teammates anymore and it's his system sort of falling falling apart around him. Um, you know, whether that's because he's lost some of his, his best, um, you know, weapons around him, uh, I don't know. Uh, possibly um, him sort of getting to the back end of his career and, and not being as, uh, you know, tuned into what the defences are doing and defences constantly adjust and make changes and maybe he's just not one step ahead of them as he used to be. No, I mean, you know, it's one thing losing games, but losing 15-9 to the to the Detroit Lions is something else. Yeah. I, I did see uh, one pundit uh, on ESPN say it was the worst game of any fellow he's ever watched. Um, they currently sit 3-6 and six tied with your Bears in the NFC North behind the Vikings that are 7-1. and one. If the Packers don't make don't get a wild card this season because they're not going to catch the Vikings uh, by by the looks of things, is that it for Aaron Rodgers? Do you think they'll just just try and try and get rid? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, ultimately, when a team isn't winning and they don't have you know they don't have the weapons to sort of come through the ranks and and really make a difference in the next couple of years, you really need to think about your quarterback position. Um, you usually have a lot of money sunk into that. And that makes sense if you're, you know, if you're contending and you're ready to win. But teams that are really rebuilding um, do a lot better when your QB is, is, you know, either not costing your arm and leg or is on one of those rookie contracts that can build weapons around them. And that's the problem that the Packers have right now. Is they've got a lot of money and a lot of their salary cap invested in the quarterback position, and they don't have the ability to build the other positions. 
And without Rogers able to sort of elevate to other positions, they've really got to have a good think about what they do. And, and my gut feel is they'll they'll if he wants to keep playing, trade him to a to a contender that has a, a team built around him, and, and probably start from scratch. Yeah. All right. Who do you think might be? Uh, open to trading for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we saw uh, De- the Denver Broncos this season sort of play that that Hail Mary to get uh, Russell Wilson, and um, I, I doubt that they'll want to do it, but it's a team like that you're looking for, right? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, the team that's always sort of been linked to him has been the 49ers. That's where he's sort of grown up and, and, and a big fan of. Um, I don't know if the need is as acute anymore. I mean, they've shown that um, Jimmy Garoppolo can come in and, and, and run their offense with Trey Lance out. I'd say they'd want to sort of stick to Trey Lance as their development option. Um, there's a few teams to watch, though. I mean, it, it really depends on who you know who gets one of those draft picks that can that can hit in the draft. Um, but you know, it, right now there isn't really a, 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 an obvious hole in a, in a team that needs him that have all the other positions ready to win. But there's. It'll be one of those teams that either a quarterback goes down, um, or or they have a situation turn up where perhaps they're, you know, uh, the QB is not quite getting them to where they need to be. Um, so, one team to sort of keep an eye on, I would say at this stage, would be the Patriots. Um, if if the Mac Jones experience can go the way they want, I can't see that team sort of rebuilding for too long. But but yeah. That would be an interesting fit with Belichick, um, given the you know the, the Brady Rogers rivalry over the years. So uh, yeah, definitely one to watch, mate. Um, is there a more surprising divisional leader currently in the NFL than the Seahawks in the NFC West? Because beginning of the season, I thought they'd blown everything up to start again, and they were in rebuild. But they lead it on a six-three record ahead of the Niners and the Rams and the Cardinals, who we all thought would be there or thereabouts. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Eh? I mean, look at it. it their sort of formula is is they've got a, an offense that we didn't expect to be this high powered. Yes, they've always had the receivers. They've got you know they've got Metcalf, they've got Lockett, they've got a, a bunch of other pieces as well. Um, they've got a good young running back, but everyone wrote them off on offense because they've got Geno Smith at quarterback. Um, it was either going to be um, Geno Smith or a bunch of you know uh, younger players who are sort of sitting in the wings. Geno Smith was a high draft pick. It was a number one overall you know sorry first round pick. A few years ago, and he had a great, you know, college career at West Virginia, where uh, me included, uh, a lot of people thought he was set up for success. But unfortunately, he got drafted by the Jets in a system that wasn't quite ready for him or, or, or built for, to succeed. Um, what Gino's done this year is an absolute revelation. He's he's doing for you know working to a level of efficiency that people haven't seen from him in the past, and he's in that upper tier of quarterbacks from that perspective. I saw some odds for MVP. I think he's sixth in the race. So he's been a real catalyst for that team and, and a big reason for that. Their defense is still lagging quite far behind, but what that does mean is the offense has complete license to go for it, and that's what's been a big success for them. And, and in fact, that's sort of one of the reasons they're one of the most fun teams to watch on a on a weekly basis because they, they score points and they allow points as well. There was a, a lot of games, very tight games yesterday. I think three or four of them finished 20-17. to 17. So it was a day for the kickers. Uh, but uh, well, a kicker that didn't get it won, it was all done off Brady's arm, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they were on the back foot most of the game. They were chasing the game. And then, you know, with about a minute or so to go, Brady drove them down the field uh, in about 50 seconds and, you know, threw a, another touchdown pass. Uh, just as you think it's time for him to, to bow out, um, he comes good again and does something like that that only Tom Brady can do. I mean, the Bucks are still four and five, but the NFC South isn't exactly competitive at the moment, is it? 
No, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, pre-season or even at the start of the season, you would have sort of circled this game and gone, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that one. Um, but it turned out to be one of the, the toughest, tougher watches uh, of the season so far. Um, neither team was re- was particularly efficient um, and not really what we would expect to see from, from these two offences, to be completely honest. Um, I, yes, you know, a team had to win that game. I, I think Tom Brady had a good finish to that game. Um, but all in all, I don't think either of those teams are going to go going to go anywhere unless they really, really, you know, make changes uh, over the second half of the season. What about the LA Rams then? Because, I mean, they are, you know, Super Bowl champions. What's gone wrong? They've, they've gone right out the back door, haven't they? Yeah, and, and this is not, you know, not something that is completely, um, uh, you know, out of the blue uh, with with Super Bowl champions. You do quite have often, and it's called a Super Bowl hangover quite often, where teams don't, you know, turn up pretty much the same and constructed the same, just don't have the same level of impact that they had in the past. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of holes uh, on the Rams team, but I think the biggest one really is the offensive line. Um, what we're really seeing this season is how important, you know, offensive line play is to the overall success of a team. You know, the, the defense is still pretty good. We saw that yesterday. But if you don't have an offensive line, that's A, going to give your quarterback time to make, um, you know, uh, the decisions he needs to make, as well as uh, allows your running game to establish, you don't really have um, a lot of opportunity for success. You know, and the only team we've only teams sort of we've seen that, that have been able to break those shackles are teams that have really mobile quarterbacks. Um, where, you know, you take away some of the limitations of your offensive line by having a QB uh, able to run out of the pocket and the Rams definitely aren't one of those teams with Matthew Stafford. No, they're not. Uh are you surprised they didn't do more before the trade window closed? Um I, I, yeah but I think the problem with the Rams though is is I don't think they've got as many you know, um, uh, tools to trade away at this stage. Um, the you know, getting offensive linemen, especially productive offensive linemen, is something you don't often see at trade deadlines. You know, you see uh, wide receivers, running backs, you know, players who are sort of outside of their rotations, or, or perhaps you know, not getting the game time they need, or, or having other issues, get traded quite often. You very rarely see productive offensive linemen get traded. Um, and 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 unfortunately, that's something you've just got to fix in the off season. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, the we've got two teams that are looking pretty good in the NFC, and the Eagles at eight and zero, and the Vikings at seven and one. How do you rate their Super Bowl chances? Those two teams, given uh, who's sort of bubbling away on the AFC side of things. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think the Eagles are definitely someone to to watch out for. Yeah. You know, I watched their game against the Texans on on Friday. I did. I thought the Texans were. Um, quite a lot more, you know, I uh, had to give them a lot more credit than I thought I'd had to going into that game. Um, but the Eagles are, are just a lot of class. You know, they've got a combination of a fantastic offensive line. They've got some really good wide receiver weapons. Um, they've got, you know, a, a fantastic quarterback and, and also a pretty good defense, especially at secondary. So they are built like a team that I, I think have a real shot. The, the big thing for them is keeping um, Jalen Hurts healthy. Um, and if they can do that, I do think they're one of the teams, and, and they're probably, for me, the favourites doing the, the Super Bowl. Uh, the Vikings, I'm not so sure. I feel like the, the Vikings, to me, have a feel of a of a team that you know starts the season seven and one, but perhaps with a few games going their way, could it could be quite different. And I would expect them to come back to the norm a little bit and be a bit more of a mid-table team. 
uh, over the second half of the season. All right, uh, let's have a look at AFC North. You mentioned the Bills, um, uh, sorry, you mentioned the Pats earlier. They're at five and four, but they are bottom currently of the of the AFC East. That is a strong division. The Jets from nowhere at six and three. The Dolphins at six and three and six and two for the Bills. Um, we've got the we've talked the Ravens, the Titans bubbling away there. Uh, but for me, it looks like what Bills and Chiefs uh, in the AFC. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes yesterday showing um, how phenomenal he can be. Teams have really adjusted to the Chiefs over the last couple of years, and, and they're doing, they're placing two high safeties to make sure Mahomes can't beat them with their arm talent. With his arm talent, what he's doing now is he's showing that he can distribute the ball across the board, and he's really taken away, um, you know, that that correction that teams have made. So I think they're they're probably looking like the best team out of the AFC. Um, the next, the, the other team um, I'd suggest would be the Bills, just like you said. Um, you know, interesting loss against the Jets over the weekend, but I do think you know, come playoffs, they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts. Um, the Dolphins, I don't, I don't think you know. I watched them against the Bears yesterday. I don't think they are really built for a long um, postseason run. I don't think the defense really has uh, the weapons it needs at this stage. Um, you know. Whether Bradley Chubb makes a big difference going forward, um, that's probably a thing to watch and, and probably the key thing they would need to to propel them forward. The Jets, I don't think, are quite ready. I mean, they are winning games, but the quarterback position hasn't, you know, to win big playoff games, your quarterback really needs to put teams on his back at times. And that's something we just quite haven't quite seen so far. Um, one team I'd be sort of keeping an eye on would be the Chargers for a second-half run. Um, they've got the weapons. They just need a few players to come back from injury. Um, but I do think they're a team that can make some noise that perhaps haven't been, you know, have been dragging a little bit in the first half of the season. Now, we also saw news uh, today, coming out today, that the Colts have fired uh, their coach. Um, and uh, they put Jeff Saturday in charge, who doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, coaching credentials. He's the interim boss. But uh, why have things gone so badly wrong for the Colts? I mean, they sit second at AFC South. I thought looking at the beginning of the season, on paper at least, they, their roster looked pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, going back a couple of years, what the Colts really had going for them is, is they had a fantastic offensive line. Um, they've always had a very strong running game. They've got one of the top running backs in the, you know, in the NFL, and they've got a good wide receiver group. Um, just one thing they really haven't been able to get right since Andrew Luck retired is the quarterback position. You know, they've tried a, a bunch of different players from, you know, veterans like Philip Rivers and, and now... Matt Ryan, as well as a, a bunch of rookies, and, and unfortunately, they're one of those teams that until they fix their quarterback position um, and, and have that player complement the rest of the team, that's going to be a real challenge for them to, to get traction and go forward. And you've also seen, you know, as a result of that, the offensive line now take a bit of a dip. So I think Jeff Saturday, you know, it's interesting because I remember watching him play only a few years ago. Um, but I, I think he's he's in there to sort of keep the team cohesion going. He's sort of a, you know, a player-led uh, head coach, um, and, and you need that for teams that sort of aren't going anywhere to have some of that sort of you know um, players coach approach, and and perhaps look to get someone who can help with that rebuild, and perhaps an offensive mind um, as the head coach uh, going into next year. Uh, just before we let you go, Shiraz, uh, some big games next week. Which one of these are you definitely watching? Is it the Vikings and the Bills, or is it going to be uh, the Chargers and the Forty ers Which way are you going to go? Yeah, I'd have to pick the Chargers and 49ers. Um, 
you know, those are two teams that I think, I mean, the 49ers coming out of bye week, um, I do think, uh, will be ready to go. The Chargers are a good watch, usually. Um, there's a couple other games I'd like to see, though. Um, I do think the Buccaneers, Seahawks, to me, screams upset. Yeah. Um, I, I'd see, you know, a, a chance for that Seahawks team to make to make a bit of a splash. Um, but uh, but also, like you mentioned, the, the Bills-Vikings um I do wonder whether the Vikings are who we thought they, who we think they are, or whether this is going to be a bit of a reality check. If the Vikings do win, I do think that you know, um, perhaps, um, perhaps I'm not giving them as much credit, but that's going to be the asset test for me. So those three games are, are what I've got on the radar. Yeah, good stuff, Shiraz. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, always good to talk, uh, talk NFL with you. Go well. Have a great weekend, eh? You too. Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Uh, Shiraz Soisa uh, there with us, the uh, head coach of the New Zealand National Flag football team. Uh, coming up, Stumped. We'll get there at around 11.30. Your calls and texts next. 11.26 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, hey, team, can you please let us know the code word for the Good Oil Punters Club? Cheers, Brendan. Yeah, mate, all you need to do is to get into the uh, Good Oil Punters Club this afternoon uh, because there is a special one between midday and six today, uh, being Cup Day. Uh, you just got to text your name and Addington. Addington is the password, okay? Your name and Addington. Oh, and your town as well. Whereabouts do you live? So send that through and uh, you could be in... Okay, that is uh, that is a go, and uh, we will uh, have actually Stefan, uh, who will talk us through how the afternoon is going to go before the end of the hour as well. Uh, update for you from La Liga, a big upset there, Rayo Vallecano. Uh, even though Real Madrid came back from 1-0 down, they were leading 2-1, uh, came out on top, winning 3-2 in that one. So a big upset in La Liga, and that brings Barcelona right back into the title race over in Spain. I see a few... Uh, if you're a basketball fan and you're looking for a nibble at the tab today, uh, if you want something that you can load up on or make an anchor, then the Utah Jazz at $1.39 to beat the Lakers could be good because I see LeBron sitting out the game and Beverly and Walker are also out for this game. So I don't know who the Lakers are going to play, mind you. That said, if they let the rest of the veterans, they might have someone do some running for them. So, But we'll have to see. Uh, but the Jazz at $1.39 looks pretty good, it has to be said. Uh, coming up, a little bit later, we're going to catch up, as I said, with staff and the Good Oil team. We'll give you an opportunity to jump in uh, with Stumped as well. We'll do that after uh, the latest in news and sport uh, with Araha, which is not too far away. But Logan, you had something you wanted to uh, you wanted to cover off as well, bud. Yeah, mate. Uh, just coming out of the Australian Baseball League, bit of breaking news there. Uh, Baseball Australia and the ABL uh, fans. Yeah, they're covered there. Uh, they're launching a brand new on-demand streaming service, and this does, I've checked with the Auckland Tuatara, sorry, this does cover both home and away games for them, which of course starts November 10 uh, in Brisbane, taking on the Bandits there for their first series of the season. So yeah, new way to watch the baseball, but there's also the potential caveat there that if games do get picked up by a TV uh, provider, say Sky or Spark, not sure where they're leaning yet. Uh, those games may get blacked out online, as is part of the course with streaming on baseball. Yeah, all right. So, uh, and the Tuatara, they get underway this weekend against the Bandits, is that right? Yeah, mate. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's all right. I was listening. I was listening. What do you What do you make of the uh, roster that I've got uh, versus the Bandits? 
Uh, I haven't seen the Bandits roster yet, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to the start of the season. I'm just looking forward to them being back in the competition. Uh, I was just, I was so heavily into it when they first came into the league. I was writing uh, match reports for the ABL out there at McLean Park, which is probably why a bit of a stickler there about uh, what it's called. What it's called, McLean. Well, you know, McLean Park is basically if you got outdoor sport, summer sports events in Napier, it rains. That's what happens. That's what they do there. Oh, yeah, why am I saying McLean Park? I'm getting my parks mixed up. McLeod uh, yeah. McLeod, that's the one. Thank you. you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> there you Seattle go. You got, you got my back on that one. Thanks, yeah. man, mate. Appreciate no, that. No, no problem at all. No problem yeah, at all. Uh, no, but, you know, we've seen some returning faces as well. Uh, you know, Pinky, uh, Kyle Glogoski there in the uh, pitching ranks as well. So looking forward to that one and looking forward to seeing uh, what some of these, you know, like the former Boston Red Sox players coming through, you know, Johnny Gomes. Man, that's huge. They make that work. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like the roster's been thrown together pretty late. Um, I, it, it's just going to be about gelling everybody, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, we heard that when we had uh, Steve Mintz on the show last week that, you know, they're trying to get everyone into New Zealand as soon as possible to do get everyone together and sort of create a bit of chemistry. It's a bit of a weird one, I guess, with the ABL because it falls outside of, you know, it's the off-season for the other leagues you know, the Northern Hemisphere, but it's a great opportunity to either play your way into Major League consideration or keep yourself match fit during the off-season there. Uh, so they don't get a lot of time to come here and make it work. But if they make it work, you know, you could have a great next year next year. Exactly. Yeah, you definitely could. If you want to have a great cup day, give us a text. Uh, sorry, give us a text. Give us a call. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We have a $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Could be all yours on cup day. 0800 150 811. Here's the latest in news and sport with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, time for Stumped here on SNZ Mornings. No, Ricardo said, you'll have a good next year next year. God, you'll be waiting a long time for that to happen. Have a good year this year. Have a good Stumped this morning with a $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs on Cup Day. How good? Mate, how good, how good. If you win this, then, you, then you're well sorted, particularly if you listened uh, to the panel we had earlier, the Cup Day special panel with Clado and uh, B-Pops from the TAB. Be all over it. Absolutely. And, of course, people are flooding our temper bedpost text machine right now, entering into the Punters Club. So make sure you listen to the Good Oil uh, special from midday today. But grab your bat now because it's time to play Stumped. And first at the crest, he's a man who's been wanting to take a crack at you for a while, Ricardo. Craig from the Bay. Craig from Tauranga. Come in, mate. G'day. How you doing? Yeah, good, buddy. How's everything back in the hometown? It's pretty good, a little bit overcast today, but it's fine enough to have got the morn's mode this morning, so that's good. Sounds like it would would be a great day for uh, some cricket if it was at the Bay Oval there, Ricardo. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's great too, Craig, having you on uh, with Wellspin. He's not here because we can call it the Bay and he doesn't get upset. That's fine. <laughs> no, that, that's better when he's there. You can get him upset. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, well, see how you go, mate. See we how you go. Smithy. We all love Smithy. Yeah, we all miss Smithy too, don't we? All right, your topics today, Craig. We've got golf, rugby, and the Baseball World Series. Take your pick. Oh, it's got to be rugby out of those three for me. All right, good luck. See how you go, Ricardo. Mr. Rugby Brown himself. First question for you, Craig. 
The All Blacks played their 38th match against Wales as part of their Northern Tour. How many of those matri- um, those matches in the history between the two nations have Wales won? Oh, I know when they last won. Um, how many of Wales won? Let's go with four. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I like how you say you remember the last time they won because it has been a while. Uh, Ricardo? Uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, as Craig said, last one was 1953 um, and they were pretty competitive between when we first went over at the beginning of last century and then, so... I'll give them five. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Man, you guys are both generous. It's three. Wow, okay. Yeah, that is less than I thought. <laughs> 1905, 1935, and 1953. So you would have said they were due, but um, <laughs> unlucky. All right, second question for you, Craig. Which All Black star has scored the most points in a single game against the Welsh? Daniel Carter. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. You really can't go past DC, can you? Uh, when, when you said all black star, it kind of helped a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And uh, so that was 27 points in 2010, and I believe he's also scored 26 against the Welsh as well. So he's definitely had their number, Ricardo. Yeah, definitely, DC. I, I was actually wondering whether it might not have been a little bit of a trick question. It might have been Richie Mwanga this time round. Uh, but then I, he didn't really, you know, he didn't didn't cross the line with the ball in hand, unfortunately. But that was, I, th- I think, uh, Wales's biggest defeat at Cardiff. Mm. All right, Craig, hundred dollar TAB bonus bet on the line here for you. One question to go. Doing great so far. Which All Black holds the record for total tries scored against Wales? Oh, jeez. Um, total tries against Wales. Let's go with winger. Um, I'm going to go with Doug Haller. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Dougie Hallett's always a great guess when you think of uh, All Blacks have scored a heck of a lot of tries. Mm. Ricardo, though. Well, I would have gone Dougie Hallett as well, to be honest, because I don't know the answer, but that would have been... I wish I hadn't done it now. Yeah, that would have been the educated (laughs) guess, Craig. Uh, I am going to go with somebody around that sort of era. um, Maybe Joe Rokothoko. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Just to leave you on a cliffhanger there. No, let's turn the clock back a little bit. Let's knight the man, Sir John Kerwin. Oh, no way. Oh, wow. Wow, my second guess was Kelly. So there you go. I was right up. <laughs> I mean, Kelly's not a winger, so that would have been wrong for a start. Well, it didn't say winger, though. He just did, did, he, did you say winger? No, I didn't. Oh, was that just no, in my head? No, just which all but Yeah, that was just happening yeah, in my yeah. head. Yeah, no, nah, fair enough. Oh, well done, Craig. Uh, oh, you, you've managed to managed to get through. I managed to not stump you on uh, New Zealand Cup Day. So, hundred dollar dollar TAB bonus bet is all yours. Where are you going to put it today? Yeah, I don't know. I, I did listen to um, to the panel, um, and it sounded like they named every horse and and the <laughs> so, yeah, boxed a whole lot up. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll look at a box trifecta. Uh, in the Melbourne Cup, I, I boxed the trifecta. I had five horses, and I got first, second, fourth, and fifth, but I didn't get Ooh. third. So, uh, so yeah, let's try again. Yeah, well, um, they do have a first I, five yeah. and a first eight option today as well, actually. 
Yeah, I might look into something like that. Um, iron horse racing is not my not not usually where I go with with my sports betting. I'm normally on uh, on on sort of more traditional sports, but uh, but being cup day, got to have a go. So um, yeah. Have a well, crack. we do one day, and, and there's a few of us. Uh, we all follow Beaver's best, and, um, and so we're all uh, we're all uh, itching for race five and, and for Republican Party to get up because that'll uh, that'll pay out for for a few of us that follow Beaver and for Beaver's best. That's the one we're waiting on. So I've got got okay. some money on that. Got some money on that one, actually. Had, Republican Party. Yeah, somebody. Tw- uh, I think it was Joe before message through um, and was talking about that race as well, and he had he had. Uh, uh, a box Quinella, I think, going on on race five. He had Republican Party with, and let me just try and find it here. Uh, there was one other that he had it. He uh, he had it boxed with, uh, and now I can't find it. Uh, but I might have been McAndrew Aviator, I think. Um, so yeah, it's an, an, another one to keep an eye on that's uh, that's running in that race. Or it might have been or was it Sandwave? I'll find the text for you, Craig. I'll find the text for you. Let you know later. I'll be listening. I'll be listening. All right, and mate. I'll, uh, I'll be kicking into Staffy's Punters Club as well. I'll be doing that right, right after I get off the phone from you. Yeah, yeah, good. good stuff, mate. Get amongst it. Get amongst it. Uh, that is all kicking off from midday. We have a, a special uh, Good Oil Four Cup Day going on. And uh, let me see if I can find Joe's text here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, race five is immoral uh, into Republican Party. And where is that? It's not there. Makes no sense. I don't know what he's what what Joe's talking about. But there you go. Well, that was worth hanging on for, wasn't it? Uh, Twenty away from twelve here on SENZ. It is a quarter to twelve here on SENZ. It is uh, mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball, with you on Cup Day after midday. We have a, a good oil special. If you want to be part of the Punters Club, just uh, text us on the Temper Bed Post text machine double eight double three. With Addington is the password. Uh, where you're from and. Uh, you know what town you're from and your name as well. Uh, do that and uh, see if you can make the Punders Club for this afternoon. Um, now, Logan, we did talk about the baseball earlier because the um, ABL gets underway this weekend, as you as you pointed out earlier, with the Tuatara taking on the Bandits. Um, but Maggie's texted through wanting to know where exactly she can watch it. She said, I did have the ABL app, but I deleted it during the COVID hiatus and can't find it in the App Store or anywhere else. Uh, the baseball, yes, gosh, I'm looking forward to that season. Uh, just to clarify, the Australian Baseball League and Baseball Australia are providing the live streaming. Uh, Maggie, and for everyone else, you can watch the Auckland Tour Tata live and free. Just sign up at baseball.com.au. It says enter the code Baseball Australia, but I was able to just sign up anyway. It's free. Go for your life. You can watch the games. It's going to be great. What chance do you give the Tuatara of um, making the playoffs? Well, I mean, they have this whole thing that, I mean, they they want to make the playoffs, obviously, um, and then go from there. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to know because they've been out of it for the last couple of years where they kind of stand. So it would be interesting these, to see these first few series, especially the first ones at home, to see how they go. Um I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, Mincy, old Steve Mince definitely wants to get there because uh, they set that goal of making the playoffs. They did that. They had a great last season. It's been a couple of years off now, so we'll see where they go. 
But if they do make the finals, I mean, that's just going to be great. Great re-entry back into the ABL after a couple of years off, Ricardo. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like, and I could be wrong here, but given that we've got so many American players coming in, quite a few out of Asia as well, that maybe the travel isn't such a factor as it is in, say, league and basketball, rugby, you know, those things that are going back and forth over the Tasman. No, I don't think so, because it's, I mean, it's the same for everyone, and you have like a four-game series, so... They'll go over to Brisbane, you know, and they'll be camped there for a little while. I would imagine that they then potentially stay in Australia because the following round, uh, they're up against the Canberra Cavalry, so they're in the ACT, and then probably travel back to uh, Auckland, you know, uh, for for round three. So I think they'll probably camp themselves around for a few days. Uh, So the travel, yeah, because there's a four-game series, the double hitters are going to be interesting. You know, use the depth of your talents there on the Saturdays. But no, I definitely don't think the travel is as much of a factor as the ABL as, say, the ANBL. I mean, you still have a Perth team. Perth always sucks up a lot of air miles, but no. No, shouldn't. All right. Oh, looking forward to that season getting underway. Uh, it is uh, 12 away from midday here on SENZ. When we come back, we're going to talk the good oil special between midday and six with... Mark Stafford. It's five away from midday here on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith. Just about time to wrap up because we've got a good oil special coming to you this afternoon. Midday till six. Mark Stafford is going to be in uh, with a bunch of very knowledgeable race uh, people, including Mark Clayton, who we've already heard from today. And Clayton, uh, Staff's gone walkabout. It's his birthday, uh, so maybe he's gone cake shopping. I don't know. What have you heard? Oh, I thought I think SCNZ might have gone cake shopping. They probably they? need a big cake. Yeah, well, they kept that. He kept that on the DL, didn't he? He certainly did. But he'll he'll pay later on in the show. He will. Well, Kieran said that he had had up um, uh, Sam Hewitt, who normally produces staff, and he didn't know either. Well, I'm I'm a bit concerned because on Facebook it comes through everybody's birthdays. Yeah. But we can't be friends on Facebook because I would have got a notice. Well, you can also block your birthday being notified. On I know you can block what year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, we have had a, a question come through from Patty on the text machine. You might be able to answer this. Hey, Rick Dog, can you ask, um, it says staff on here, but he's not in here, so Clado, on your cross, if the pool of Quinella or Trifecta changes the value of your bet? Well, it depends how many units on the Quinella that you've selected. Uh, it's all totalisated, mm. so all the money goes in and it's all co-related. So, yeah. yeah, yeah the less yeah. people who get the Quinella, the better. Yeah, well, exactly. The bigger the pool, bigger the pool. theoretically, the bigger the collect. Yeah, now you're on for, for six hours this Salvo. What, what have you got lined up, mate? Uh, we've got Mickey G, Mickey Guerin and Louis Herman Watt on track at Addington, so they'll take us through the day. We're going to take the commentaries from County, some good races out there, and... So I see Sir John Key with a runner in today. Uh, really? Volare, yeah. yeah, oh, nice yeah. Not, not Sir John Kerwin, Sir John Key. Sir John Key, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, not all right. the sporting, but oh, it's a start. Yeah, that, that is a start. Actually, I can see um, Gieran and uh, Herman Watt on the screen here. They're both looking very dapper on race day. Uh, and they've got Jake uh, down there with them as well, who looks like he's part of the Peaky Blinders crew. He's got the old cheese cutter on. Um, wow. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt those boys will keep you up to date, mate. Now, um, in terms of uh, the Punters Club, how does that work, Salvo? Uh, we've drawn 20 names for the Punders Club, so we'll read those names out when we go to air. So 20 people who listened to the uh, mail run this morning, so we've selected 20 names. Yep. And, and from the Saturday shows, a lot of different names here that I haven't seen before. So a whole new range of Punders and the Punders Club. We'll spend a 1,000 throughout the day. Yep. We've got all Mickey G selections, and we'll try and... Win well over a thousand dollars because the TAB get their thousand back, yep. and what over that over that we split it twenty ways. So 
All right. So Mickey G on the job today. We oh, can't go wrong. You can't go wrong, Mickey G. On the, that man has. I mean, the show's called the Good Oil, but I mean, if there is a man pumping that oil, it's Mickey G, isn't it? There will be. There it will, will be. be. So it's all on him today. So me and Steph, we just got to decide how much we're going to put on and when and where and. Hopefully we get it right. Yeah. Because we'll hear about it if we don't. Well, no doubt, no doubt. Um, Now, in terms of the Punters Club, is it all just on uh, Addington or is it going to be spread across the day? It'll pretty much be all on Addington, but uh, if we get a bit of good oil for counties, which um, there's a couple there that we like, we might might, might sort of, yeah, there's nothing to say we can't bet on the New Zealand meetings. So also $50 Prezi card up for grabs as a sweepstake race throughout the day. So if you text in your name, your town or your suburb. Yep. Uh, to double eight double three, and there's a code word somewhere which Brian has given me, which is Addington. Yep. And we have you draw a horse in the in the cup, so sweepstake. You draw a horse in the cup, and whoever draws the winner gets a fifty dollar prezi card. Oh, there you go. I mean, you're winning left, right, and centre, all all over the shop. Oh mate. man, we're pumped for today. This is one of the biggest days, uh, Ricardo, as, as BP was saying before, and, and it's just we're not too far away from the first. And boy, the adrenaline's really blood really starting to pump. Yeah, you're really getting excited, mate. I certainly am. Yeah, and not because of the painted ladies might be back on track today. <laughs> Really? Oh, well, we've we'll got plenty of TVs in here, mate. We've got plenty yeah, we'll, of TVs. You'll, you'll have to get that up on running. Yeah, no, we'll ask Louis to track them down, interview the winner, maybe. I don't think, don't think there'll be too... Uh, I, I, generally, if Louis goes anywhere near Painted Ladies, they run the opposite direction. Is that, that's how it works, <laughs> isn't it, normally? Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, it, it, interesting to see what the temperature's like down there. It looks a bit grey, Yeah, um, but no rain. never rains on Cup Day, Addington, so... Oh, that's right. Maybe, maybe, actually, there's an idea. If, if Louis is to invest in a... And, and, a, and a harness horse, maybe call it Painted Lady because it'll fly yeah, well, in the opposite direction the from opposite. Louis. Yeah, well, so you back them each way. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, this one has uh, come through from Kyle as well. Lads, I'm looking to lock this in for the New Zealand Cup this afternoon. A boxed Quinella slash trifecta, 13589. 13589, those are my numbers. Do it, Kyle. Do, do it, it, Kyle. Do it, and you will be, uh, you'll be amongst, you'll be amongst, uh, you take it to the bank, as Clado said. So uh, this has been Mornings with uh, Ian Smith. After midday, it is a good oil special with Mark Clayton, Mark Stafford, and the boys on course as well. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.